If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to win or I'm going to Welcome to the Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we're here to discuss episode two of Survivor season 41, Juggling Chainsaws. A very, a very strange episode, too. Yeah, this is one of the, I think, more peculiar episode, like, I guess, like, you know, second episode, second week of Survivors that I think we've had since we covered the show. Like, I think this is probably the, the weirdest. Like, it was very off its kilter, ex extremely lopsided. Yeah, I think one of my big notes was like, oh, it's the return of lopsided editing. Because I think for Survivor fans, we all remember, like, Samoa. Like, it's like, remember Samoa with, like... It's crazy, like, Russell focus and then all of Galoo being, like, under the radar. And as bad as editing has gotten sometimes, it hasn't ever really reached that point. And this got really close. Like, one tribe just completely gone for the most part. Like, the second not far behind, but at least we got some development. And then, yeah, a bunch of scenes devoted to five, but now only four people that matter in the long run. So, right, it's, it's so weird. And, you know, I think there's another uh, factor here that made it so jarring in that, like, Samoa or pull out like they have this issue but part of that is like there's two tribes like it's super weird to have this mm -hmm. with three tribes i think like yeah. i guess philippines was sort of like this but not even this bad i don't think like this is a, a next level like oftentimes you get like one tribe that's kind of not mm -hmm. there but not two tribes that are not there yeah going back to philippines you kind of had matt singh obviously was soaking up a lot of time just because they were going to every tribal and then you also had hand Thing, but they were this ball of drama and like then you had that Calabaw see I can remember Calabaw even though they were the one that weren't getting any editing but um yeah it seems like for this one I mean we don't know where it's gonna go from here sure you can have Luvu be the Calabaw here not going to tribal and then you have like Yasa Yasa so, as the Matt Singh but then you could easily do Ua to Tandang because there's a lot of drama there clearly but they're not doing that they give us one seen that sort of compressed so much of it and then no we just got one one scene luvu one scene yasa and a whole episode of yasa did i say one of huh. <laughs> this episode threw me off <laughs> yeah like literally this episode was wild because and i think there's another factor in that literally it was uh you start on luvu you, you hop over here to ua uh then you go to yase uh, yasa and then it's the challenge like it's instant like the challenge was like 20 minutes into this episode mm -hmm. and like then the rest of the episode is obviously still just yasa um and joe that that's the worst tribe they're they're so boring like i really am not invested in them at all despite the 30 minutes 40 minutes almost that they got on my tv this week i think they're by far the least interesting tribe they have the least interesting characters uh, this i honestly thought evie was borderline insufferable in this episode oh wow where it was just and i really like evie and i think that they're this is not at all their fault this is like what if someone was given russell hance level 
coverage on an episode, but just doesn't have, like, we still don't really know anything about Evie at all. We we know they're a strategist, but in my opinion, they made a really stupid and bad move this week. Um, so I can't even be like, oh, I'm so glad we got this in-depth strategic insight from this mastermind. I think that they made a kind of cut and dry bad move this week. But in my opinion, Joe, they were the only complex character on this entire episode of our entire cast. They were the only character who was, in my opinion, complex at all, or even really approaching that. Like it was just like a wall of heavy content and they didn't really have anything insightful to say. Yeah, I think I agree with you a ton i think i think the thing with evie is you can clearly see there's so much charisma there but the way that editors treated them was so clinical like everything evie said was very like this thing happened and this is how i am treating it in my game oh i'm doing this and this is how it will affect others and it was a bit of that in episode one too which Mm -hmm. i think i found myself not liking them as much as many other people did from that premiere because for me especially who loves the like goofball characters and out there characters evie was very like borderline game bot and i was i was very hesitant about that and then and then yeah it sort of was the same here and just this very yeah clinical perspective i've seen that idea that they were the only complex character here and looking at my chart i gave xander and voce also like cp ratings but it's almost like that's because they were sort of detailing their strategy to an extent and not actually beyond that in any way. And it was very, if if they lost the footage and they were like, oh, you need to tell me what Voce is saying right now in his circumstances i could like draft the confessional that he would he gave like from what i know about voce from the premiere and from what i know about the structure of yasa at this point so that's disappointing i want to see more than that from survivor i came here for characters seriously this was like in the worst like to me joe this felt like they were like baiting us where they're like like i walked in to this episode it's like 15 minutes in i'm like Oh, this is ready to be like, you know, an elite episode. You get Brad running around doing being super interesting, mm-hmm. JD bouncing off of him in an interesting way, Shan giving like this amazing, complex, beautiful confessional a little bit. Like, you're like, oh right, I love these people. It's fun. And then you flash over to Nasir. And you're like, oh, maybe, maybe Joe's on to something from last week. And um, you know, Nasir's actually quite interesting here. He's he's like this tribe's more dynamic than it seems. That's awesome. Can't wait to flash back here and see what hijinks ensue. Just kidding, it's the wall of a boring majority vote the entire time. Uh, yeah, I think and it it kind of makes me mad too and a little hesitant for the season going forward is that we got this next time on in the premiere that was like oh we're just keeping this here until we boot him and then Leon very obviously reacting to something and then also Brad sort of doing what he did but that all came right at the beginning of this episode like Mm -hmm. it was all very front loaded it was the only scenes for two of the tribes and yeah it just didn't work I, I I wanted to see more of that drama that they promised, and I guess that's on marketing to get us to watch the next episode, but as someone who is whatever happens, I'm going to watch the next, next episode. It's a little disappointing. Yeah, I really was quite disappointed with this. Like, I just don't think that the drama is there on Yasa to 
whole 30 minutes of a TV show. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was pretty obvious from early on in that episode that Tiffany wasn't leaving. And then the minute Voce's name was out there, uh, I was like, okay, it's like, it's over. Like, like I, I, to me, I felt almost roughly zero, approaching zero tension or drama or anything on this episode. Like, it was really like nothing. Like, it felt like totally nothing. Like, they gave 30 minutes for a unanimous vote that felt really obvious. Like last week, it seems like this tribe more or less settled its boot order and that just continued to happen. So I really don't get why this is the episode they chose to give us the entire picture of this pretty boring tribe where everybody's united except for Voce and uh, Abraham on the outside. Mm -hmm. And I think something to touch on more is how much of the episode and the premiere too, there's this problem of circumstance. Like, I feel like we're seeing so much of characters simply because we have to. Mm -hmm. Like, as someone who was not a big fan of Deshaun in the first episode, having so much of this episode revolve around him was kind of like, like, I get it. Like, we have to see the summit twist, but... It, it's it's just there because it has to be or like if you sort of track like Xander has to have his idol scene because he then says it at the challenge which the challenge of course is another segment of time that has to be there yep. it's just leave room for whatever happens I don't want like so many structured things I think um, now that Big Brother's over maybe this is the last episode I'll mention it but I think one of the things that hurts Big Brother's sort of editing structure right now is it's the same structure of things every episode and they just sort of or every week and they just sort of plow through that same structure and give us the same content every time and I I don't want that from Survivor I want all that time in between to get good moments absolutely right like that's the thing that always makes us kind of shriek when we see a themed season right like it's like Ghost Island oh no they're like the thing that plagues that season is you get 20 minutes Mm -hmm. of someone crying every week and about their family or whatever and not that that's not inspiring and motivational or whatever but you in the back of your mind you're like does this matter or were they just the person ran who drew the straw you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like is this a total waste of time or not like and also like people like reality shows because it's a bunch of different personalities interacting with each other and feeding off energy the only energy these people are feeding off of when they're alone on an island is like the producer or whatever right like Mm I agree. It was it it was weird seeing Deshaun just like all of a sudden be, hey, he's a main character now, and Danny is not even in the episode. <laughs> like when you told us, kind of, it was the opposite, right? Like you told us Danny's the cool one that you want to learn more about, and Deshaun's just kind of there. And then this week, it's like Deshaun's entire backstory, and you're like, but I, I left last week wanting to know more about those other people. Like mm. I feel like that's the issue. Is that it served up a foundation that we were really excited for, and then the house on top of it was like you know a. a completely different house like it was a, it was a tent you know and like mm-hmm. tents are still cool but it's not what you told us that was gonna be here i think is the issue for sure i'm i think looking forward my optimistic take is how much of this is just based on whatever this pre-merge or pre-swap looks like like from a challenge win yeah. tribal council state like are they doing this because we need to sort of see the decimation of yasa does luvu just never go to tribal council and therefore they're not too important like that's sort of the hopeful framing i see here but I yeah mean... that's where i'm kind of betting my horse actually is like i feel like yasa is gonna lose another challenge and then we're getting a swap like nothing mm-hmm. else really makes sense for me here and like i like so much of this episode was like drama of if xander will 
play slash find slash use his idol or dice thing. And to me, it didn't even seem to set up him getting votes going into tribal. Like, like the, the central drama they seemed to be going for was, will he play it or not? But they told us he wasn't getting the votes. Yeah. It was like, will very... he waste his idol that we know he doesn't need? That's not interesting. Yeah, very, it was very, like, messy because I definitely went into tribal and they sort of went up to vote and I saw the little thing. I was like, oh yeah, there's a whole shot in the dark twist that I just sort of neglected here. Because, <laughs> like, that could have been a thing. And I'm sure it's impacting why Tiffany was doing things, but it was all about this idol that we know Xander doesn't have. But... Right. And <laughs> yeah. they know he doesn't have. Yeah. Like, that's the worst part is like the drama was will they do a thing that none of them think matters <laughs> mm-hmm. it was bizarre, nihilistic yeah. bizarre choice <laughs> yeah but i don't know i hope this is not a recurring trend because i don't I, joe i don't know if i can take 15 episodes of every confessionals from start to end like i really don't and i'm scared that's what we might be getting and I don't want it. I came into be- this being extremely excited for Abby. I still think they seem like a cool person. Mm-hmm. But oh my goodness, that was way too much. And like even someone like Christian, I feel like got less of this. Yeah, but for Christian sure. was magnetic and had like fun things to do. Evie seems to just mouth like face roll strategy at you, and they don't even seem like a very good player to me. Like that's the worst part. Uh, really conflicted here. Yeah, I think. And especially thinking about David versus Goliath, you have the entire rest of the cast, which is also very good. And so there is room made for that. And I think here you also have a cast that is very good. And yet we're leaving so many people behind for one tribe's drama. Yep. So Yeah, no, for sure. And I guess that brings us like, what did you think about the beware twist? Like, I thought it was honestly kind of cringy. Like, I, I, I don't. Yeah, like, I I don't know if it's an interesting drama to have it be like, oh, he can't vote until two other people find a thing. I think it's, it's an intriguing concept. It needs, like, literal editing conceptually. <laughs> like, not, like, show editing, but, like... Yes. Producers like maybe fine tune that a little because, yeah, that's a big, a big thing. You have a situation like this. If you think your twists are never going to work as well as you think they will, you basically have him telling his alliance, to be fair, Evie, that, oh, I can't vote now. And then Evie immediately is in a place to use that information and go tell their other alliance, hey, Xander can't vote. So we're fine. We can probably get out Voce instead because then there will be literally no votes against us. Like, it, yep. it just didn't work here. And then also, I think those phrases are just a little too far. Yeah, like, the phrases were, like, two sentences too long. Like, it's just, like, like there's so many things wrong with it. One, like you mentioned, the phrases are so bad. Like, mm-hmm. they feel, honestly, like a, like a grade five wrote them to be, like, like, you can tell they were, like, what's something that you think someone could say? but like would be hard to. And then they like, we're like, oh, what if it was something ridiculous like this? And then, like, mm. we'll come back to that later and fix that sentence. And then that's just what makes primetime television. It's so bad. And his was the least bad of the three, at least. For sure. Yeah. But, geez, they're terrible. And um, now, not only that, now he has to say it at every tribal council. Mm-hmm. Which, it was enough to shoehorn that in once. It's just... Right, you have no chance of, like, <laughs> it's basically it's... It's a public idol, which, sure, that's something. Um, But if this works... So, like, there's so many layers wrong with it, in my opinion. One, what if nobody ever finds another one? Does this man just never get to vote in a show about voting? Mm -hmm. That sucks. Like, that's not interesting for me. Like, (laughs) I I don't know. Like, if Kelly Wentworth pulls out her idol and votes out, uh, you know, 
makes this big move and then doesn't have a vote to cast the person that they were like the underdog against too. And so they just, the majority doesn't even have to split because you don't have a vote. Why is that good? That's not good TV. But also, three idols will just enter the game at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we could just, you know, swap rolls up and boom, three idols. Like, all at the same time with the same conceit just thrown into the game. Like, it just feels weird. Like, it doesn't feel earned. Like, obviously, three people can always find idols on their beach, theoretically. But, like, not all at once and, like, in a fell swoop is super weird. Yeah, there's there's just a a ton to criticize here. Because I think, you think about this and then is it better? than just you hide an idol and someone finds it which that's sort of more more lucky but at least it can impact the game differently they can keep it to themselves it doesn't block their vote and i think i don't know sometimes i i'm not so receptive to the idea that survivor is a game that's all about voting but thinking about it in this twist it's like and with other twists here they're really augmenting the number of votes each person has which like is this big like power shift where it's like the base of survivor is that literally one person equals one vote and therefore you have to weigh all these different motivations and influences in place but then to just say oh xander has two votes oh he has no votes so really his words don't matter a ton yeah and like yeah i (laughs) it's like that's the whole thing right like survivor's kind of like a reverse democracy in that it's you're you're, i guess it is i guess technically democracy but right but you're you're voting someone out like as a unit you were the tribe has spoken or whatever right Mm. and there's so many weird in my opinion botches in this and like okay so xander doesn't have a vote now how does that interact with shot in the dark where you're supposed to risk your vote to throw your vote your magic die or whatever Mm -hmm. he doesn't have a vote does that just mean he gets to do that for free like is that explained? Is that like, yeah. Can you take someone's vote so they can't use that? Like they don't explain this stuff. And like, then it doesn't matter. Like the minute the rules are incomprehensible, none of this matters. Like, like you're right. Like we could watch a hundred Xander confessionals and nothing he ever does or says matters because he has no influence on anything. Mm -hmm. Like part of the social, part of the reason like the social game is a thing is you don't want like each person who has a vote to vote you like, that's kind of the basic principle, right? Is like, hey, I want to get good with Joe so that Joe doesn't want to vote me. Mm-hmm. Especially if Joe can't in, vote ever. Who cares? Especially this twist against the shot in the dark twist where one vote could be really troublesome to you if a shot in the dark goes correctly. It's mm-hmm. just why undermine that with this other twist? It feels like over the pandemic, they had all these ideas and, you know, it's like New Year's Eve and you're like, oh my God, in the new year, I'm going to do this and that and like I'm going to travel the world and and then you get to sit on that for 18 months and then you have all these ideas and you haven't really thought about how they work together mm-hmm. and then you get a thing that's kind of incomprehensible um and that kind of sucks um especially when I like this cast and we just didn't see any of the ones yeah. we really like unfortunately um but yeah I don't know hopefully it's like I don't even know like I don't even know if I just I, I kind of prefer if Xander just gets voted out and I don't even know what happens with this twist that after that yeah also like that means that all idols in this game are going to be public because Everybody in the game is going to know whoever said the weird freaking phrase. Even if they don't know what that is, it will have it. Yeah. So if you're a scrappy minority member, they don't even have to bother explaining the vote because they'll know who has it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This was, 
I feel like we were so positive last week that it was I, maybe it was inevitable that this week was gonna crumble. But ugh. I, I mean, I don't think it was inevitable. I think they could have just done a better job. That's that. <laughs> um, otherwise, so in the wake of come on in, not guys anymore, just come on in. It just wasn't said at all. Really? Yeah. They just open on the challenge and Jeff starts <laughs> explaining. Like, Jeff is like, okay, so you see that this person has gone from Ua. This person's gone from Yasa. I don't know. I'm a little I'm a little skeptical and cynical about just the editing in general this season because once again, no nighttime scenes and just yeah. what's what's hap- like what are they trying or doing or not doing in this season that we're missing or is not actually to the benefit of Survivor as a show. And I don't I don't want to go so far to say that oh, they're going for a whole new vibe and you're going to get this totally out of right field winner like Heather's winning the whole thing style stuff. I think they're I think they're still hewing to sort of typical strategies, but it's it's weird stuff like this that makes me hesitant for the future of Survivor. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm like honestly, Joe, things like that the no come on in guys or any 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 phrase uh the like weird jeff probes talking to the camera yes super weird like that. like in yeah joe like i'm deeply concerned that the show that we love is going away based on all these things that they're doing like mm-hmm. Most of them you come back to, they're treating the audience less intelligently. And we ta- we kind of flagged this last week as like, hmm, maybe something to keep an eye on. Yeah. This episode felt like it was babying you the mm-hmm. entire way. Tiffany has this obnoxious confessional where, again, like last week, at the very start of her beach, uh, of after like the post-tribal scramble, she's just like, yeah, um, you might think it's me, but it's not. I'm still here. Um, I'm not worried, which sucks all drama out of the moment, right? Like it's just mm. the the worst buzzkill as a character just nonchalantly to the camera tells you exactly what's going to happen. And it reminds me of those other trashy reality shows. Like that's the issue. And a lot of this episode, honestly, Jeff talking to the camera, like, was this going to be about tribe strength or tribe loyal alliance loyalty? Like go away. Like, if that's what, like, I, I think Jeff is usually great, but if this is what he wants it to be, like, I, I think that Survivor's been so good for so long because Jeff has had this, like, absurd commitment to integrity of the story, treating the audience intelligently, treating it like a, a real awesome adventure that happened. And you're right, this week, even more than last week, it felt like it's trying to baby the new Netflix people, who, by the way, Joe, didn't show up. Like... I think so much of this freaking episode reads like, oh, we came, we blew up on Netflix 18 months ago. Time to strike on all these young viewers that didn't show up because the ratings are the exact same. Uh, that's, I mean, that makes sense because it's not, it's not being like they're on Netflix. Like as someone who just th- earlier today watched another great episode of the Great British Baking Show, I love that because it's right there on Netflix each week. 
for me to watch it. Survivor's not there. I have to like clunkily when I go to rewatch because I watch it live, but I have to clunkily go through my PS4 to like my Paramount Plus app and then like get ready to rewatch it. And it's just not as not as easy as Netflix, something people are so familiar with. And they watched two great seasons on during the pandemic. And it it didn't translate into them watching live. And I I think that my hope is that maybe they learn from this season and are like, oh, those new truckloads of money that we thought were coming with the the kids and the tiktoks or whatever jeff probst would say isn't coming like you have your eight million people who care about this show in the united states and the show's been on for so long because you've done a good job cultivating that group of people and maybe maybe if you keep the show really good those people will convince their friends to watch they're not going to convince their friends to watch when it's like hey this is what's going to happen children everybody watch like that's what jeff probes talking to the camera felt like and i think it's an existential threat to survivor being a good show moving forward i don't think this episode was that bad it was just the signs were there of it getting there mm-hmm. of desperation yeah i think i have i have several several points i want to go on from what you just said so first like bringing people in I, earlier this summer, now that I, I'm in a different living situation, so I live with roommates, and I was like, roommate, what if we watch Big Brother this summer? And so we watched the first week, and they were all like, what is this show? This is not <laughs> watchable. This is so, like, tacky and old, and I was like, you're right. I get it. People are not going to watch this because of its, like, weird, like, babying the audience nature. So it's something to be aware of. Um, my other thing is thinking on what they're doing. I guess I don't want to make it like a regular segment, but I got to talk about the game within the game because I mean, I'm there to like figure out a little rebus while I'm rewatching for sure. But like I went there or I paid attention during the immunity challenge and I was there and I tried to read it really fast and it was gone before I could like get the whole thing. And it's like, go to this website to figure it out. I'm I'm not going to the website. Can't imagine other people are going no to No one's going website. to the website, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just I do like that they're on the actual challenges. I'm not gonna lie. I think that that's kind of yeah. cool. Um, I feel like you can hang the shot there maybe for a second, but yeah, we'd probably be complaining, honestly, if they did. So that is true. But it's just that's not not approachable. And I think my biggest worry is, yes, they can definitely look at some of these things and be like, wow, it didn't work. But it's weird to have all of this happening on a season that is already meant to be a big reset. And so if this is the reset, like you want to keep these things going, like sometimes and I mean, I'm prefacing by saying not here, but sometimes when you're doing something, it doesn't work at first, but you have to keep doing it for it to start working. I'm just really skeptical skeptical about these things working as, even longer as they go on. I don't think they'll ever work. Yeah, and honestly, like I think all of this, even the lopsided editing comes back to that, right? Even the segmentation of Survivor. like The previous topics we were talking about in this episode come back to that idea that they, they want a simpler narrative journey for the audience they want the audience to have more set up like what to expect every week like and all of that is a threat like it's not just the jeff probes talking to the camera those are more obnoxious but evie being the only character to have any actual insight basically the entire episode is also that trying to dumb down the show like Big Brother does that as well. They will have one character 
basically narrate an entire episode and it's it's easier for the audience who's never watched before to understand but it's worse for the people who watch every week right and i think looking at who survivors fan base you should be working to keep keep the people there and get them to like pull in people little by little there shouldn't be like a big focus to like pull in a bunch of people i even think it's fine to try to pull in people just well, you, you've got you don't to have, have to make the show worse yeah yeah like the thing is like i i feel like in and in many ways, I, I, work, I work in marketing, right? And so many times people are like under the impression that like young people just like have no attention span and don't like good things and just like the lowest grade crap. And that's not true, right? Like as shorter videos are becoming more popular or whatever, so are longer videos. Like it's just people don't want the weird middle stuff anymore, which is what Survivor's trying to be is the weird middle stuff that is... <laughs> between prestige which is getting more popular and complete like low bar low brow nothingness like a tiktok video and also getting bigger so like you can be either of these lanes you can't be like weird prestige show chasing the young people it doesn't work like people see through that crap and it doesn't work yeah for sure i'm sort of thinking i'm a big fan of like cooking videos on youtube and it's like you either get a nice short like this is one tutorial and it's really succinct and good or you get like a big like hour-long like this is everything you can do in this one field. And it's really in depth and good. And I like both of them. And I definitely get that where it's like people like short entertainment, people like long, complex entertainment. They don't want something that's weirdly in the middle and just feels passe. Like uh, just, just or like it's trying media for the day. Yeah. yeah. And that's what this gave me so many vibes of. And I just, I hope it's just they're rusty or trying something. But I feel like back to back weeks, we've seen a deliberate trend to try to scoop people in and it's worrying um and i just i hope it's just maybe the machinations of the, the actual game you yeah. know they've they've gone multiple times but i guess on that note let's jump here to the themes and stories um mm -hmm. as we've kind of hinted at this has been a season heavily focused on plot detail segments that are bound to happen um but that said i think that there's still meaningful stories being told here there's still mm. uh you can tell where some of these people are going what they care about so that's cool in my opinion the overarching theme of this season is absolutely dangers and risk versus reward like s sacrifices that sort of thing all intertwined under the concept of risk. Risk seems mm -hmm. to be the defining trait. Like, you could call this Survivor 41 risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think whether it's where the narratives of the season are naturally heading or not, the editing is definitely just sort of putting everything into, like, this season is dangerous. This season has a lot of risk. And so we're definitely getting a lot of that even through all these plot-heavy circumstantial moments is <laughs> what's risky, what's dangerous, about this season and it's both on a game level as it always is but also they're really selling that this is a hard season physically like lots of moments of just people being like uh this is physically demanding i can't do it we have nothing all of that so yes yeah i, I think that's the the thing that elevates this theme beyond the others is that it has the physical component you do have um the highlighting of the the walk to the summit or whatever being very hard right 
um, as well, uh, and even just like the fire, like they really, really need the fire because, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're having a hard time. And then as well, I feel like almost every strategic conversation is levied through the lens of, is this risk worthwhile? Is this sacrifice meaningful? Um, and on, like, when they're speaking emotionally, they're also, and, like, personally, like, on a personal lens, uh, Deshaun talks about the sacrifices his parents make, um, and the risk it was to invest in him. Um, like, Evie talks about the risk of relaying a relationship with Deshaun, uh, who's on the other tribe, giving away their vote, but for a a, a better purpose moving forward. Maybe he'll work with, uh, them down the line. Like, so much of this is about risk. Even, flashback to last week, Xander talks about how having his stuff out in the open um, is the best way. He doesn't understand why people lie in risk-reward situations. And now that's kind of biting him in the butt. Now that Evie is conspiring against him with Mm -hmm. the secrets he told them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very, very savvy thing to think about. I was even thinking how Tiffany's personal story, where she chose to have like a precautionary um, operation for her breast cancer, was like, I mean, fits into that weirdly enough. Like maybe that's like saying too far, but it's like all this stuff is being framed as like, these are the like actual sacrifices I made in real life to get myself to a better place. And I'm fortunate to have made it or maybe not. And all this sort of stuff is here. So yeah, absolutely. Like, you even get that with Nasir, like, making a big sacrifice to move to the United States, learn English through Survivor. Like, mm-hmm. you get that all over this, all over this season. And it's everywhere. Obviously, the physical summit is a risk-reward, right? Like, right. I-, I feel like this this winner is absolutely going to be defined by their approach to risk, I think. More than anything, it's everywhere in this season. And even poor Voce here, episode one, talks about, is it too risky to vote out big, strong Abraham guy? Uh, because this is the most physical season ever, and I didn't really think it was important before, but now it is clearly because we don't want to keep losing and they lose again. And so he's gone. Yeah, I think that is uh, another in the same way as Xander, where it's like, oh, he he is reaping the consequences of his actions. But even thinking about Voce, who is now gone, like maybe going a bit ahead, but like for the editors to use a lot of his premiere time on him talking about the risks and doing like the water part first yes like that's that's something they want us to focus on and we know it's not really relevant because he's not here for one but it also didn't really play into why he he left i mean you can sort of see oh they were on their own and so the other three girls might have grouped together then but not really like that's not what this the show is telling us so yeah i think that more than anything cements this as a as a big theme <laughs> the yep, big definitely. theme the big theme for sure i think and it's, it's just everywhere and we'll get to that when we go through these people but like it really is everywhere we know almost all these people's approach to risk like even nasir talks about how he he isn't sure if he should correct deshaun Mm-hmm. Right? Like, makes that risk, and then Sydney tells us, hey, he's safe now. Like, um, they need him. Standing out did was a risk, and it worked. Yeah, I think 
to predict how this will affect the winner, I think we'll see not necessarily the person who is framed as the most risky, but someone who thoroughly considers the risks and then does have that one moment where they take a risk and it pays off very well. Yeah, this is a season Chrissy Hoffbeck would win. Like, if this was the thematic undercurrent of Triple H, like, Chrissy would be winning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, hey, there's risks out there in the meaningful approach the the best way to pursue or or to navigate a risk is to study the rough waters and act accordingly seems to be the theme of this season <laughs> which again is a weird theme to have and i i don't envy the editors to have to try to t- like tie that into a good bow like probability is hard to talk about risk is hard to talk about like it can be a 60 percent chance of happening and you can roll a die eight times or whatever and that may not happen um because prob- like people have a hard time comprehending probability. And so having risk be um, a primary part of this story is strange. It implies that at least something will be a beneficial risk when, yes. in fact, nothing could go to plan. I mean, there's still a chance we don't see a single shot in the dark succeed. Yeah. <laughs> and like, then there was that twist. And yeah, very interesting for them to have to... Right. Have to frame. So. And a flashback to Triple H, right? Like that season, similar to this one being Risk, was Secrets, if you remember. And Mm. the story was how Ben basically used Secrets in terms of idols uh, to bull, like, bulldoze his way through the season so definitely something to keep in track uh keep on top of um yeah that brings us i think to what survivor means to people i still think this is a big one with a couple different uh branching off sort of tentacles Mm -hmm. uh it's the biggest one i think is who you want to be and who you actually are uh this is one we saw big time last week uh with jd i think that seems to be his like kind of defining story for sure Um, But I think we're seeing it sort of permeate elsewhere as well. Like, um, I think someone like, like Xander, for example, early on, like a lot of these young people, right? It's like young people haven't done so well. Let's switch it up. Um, I think we see kind of Tiffany, right? Be, I don't know if we've ever seen the style of delivery of that confessional where Tiffany's like, yeah, I was on that balance beam for one minute. Uh, Maybe it's two minutes. Maybe it's five minutes. I don't care. Like, there's no, like, like the, the, Tiffany's so self-aware that it's almost a superpower, right? Like, Tiffany is unafraid of anything, whereas some of these younger folks seem to not maybe know who they are. And mm-hmm. I think that's the story, is these old players know with a absurd level of accuracy who they are and their flaws and how they can use those flaws to benefit them. And these young people don't realize what they're not good at in terms of JD, in terms of Xander. Um, Xander thinks he's being smooth. Evie is like, oh, he's dangerous. He looks like a big buff guy, dumb guy, but he's actually really smart. And that's why he needs to go. Obviously it doesn't happen, but that's the um, theme you take out of there is that Xander kind of done goofed by letting people know he's smart. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with those reads. I don't want to frame it quite on age lines because you have Brad in there as an interesting example of someone who's like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go sneak up on JD and Ricard. And then he does that. And to him, it all works out great. But then we see the undermining of it, as we saw with people like Xander and JD. So it's definitely here, I think, 
it is affecting younger people more, but there's an interesting case there with Brad, too. Mm-hmm. And then even Nasir, right? Sydney thought he would be one thing, and then turns out he's actually quite valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another one, right? Like, I think that's everywhere. Like, and what it means is, honestly, Joe, I think we're getting a quote-unquote old winner, maybe. Um that, like, I kind of feel like we're getting something like that. Like, there seems to be a big benefit to experience, maybe. But, someone, someone who definitely is approached as they know who who they are personally to themselves, but also who they are to these people, their fellow castaways. Yes. Whether, I mean, they could be young and have all this. It's not working out that way so far, but they definitely know both sides of the coin, how they're yes. perceived and how who they are themselves inside. And Joe, that so. gives me big Shan vibes from episode. Exactly. One, right? I was that's like, I think I was, that's was... what we're getting at. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think that that discrepancy of like, hey, this is how I come off. This is what I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. I, I think is is what we're looking mm-hmm. for in general. Um, yeah, sort of, and yeah, I th- sort of thinking I was like, oh, maybe in episode two, there will be more of these personal pack of them. I don't think they're done. I think we're still missing people. <laughs> Add more complexity. I guess as an aside, I hate them. Like, <laughs> I didn't like them last week. And... I hated this one. I thought when it was like, my dad taught me the three D's and then you get this like demonic voiceover of three D's. It feels feels very to me, like saw the movie. Like Mm -hmm. this is how they ended up in this situation. They like (laughs) made this mistake, but like it's often a happy, nice thing for why they're on survivor. And then we get, yeah, it just feels so (laughs) jarring. Yeah, it doesn't help that they, like, cut them in, like, black and white. So it's, like, beautiful, vibrant Fiji, and then, like, black and white medical shots. It's like, this looks terrible, for one, and two, looks like a horror movie. Like, Mm -hmm. the way, like, black and white doesn't necessarily read with, like, a shaky camera, doesn't read the inspiring way that I think they think it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because it's sort of, the same sort of tactic harkens back to when you'd get, I imagine this, an intro, like, segment with the names and stuff, and you'd see these black and white pictures of them from, like, real life. It's like, oh, that's the people they are. What are they on the island? And it's just not... Yeah, it's not working the same. It's not classy or sophisticated. No, no, I I think it really sticks out and it's really unsettling. Like, it's hard to kind of watch. Yeah, not not a fan. And I think additionally, we have this kind of lingering idea of like the effects of the pandemic, sacrifices that need to be made. I think they all kind of fit under this umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't much pandemic talk. I think we were kind of right that it was kind of a one and done mm-hmm. um, in terms of the actual pandemic. Maybe it'll pop up more in some of these Meet Me videos that I agree. I think we're going to see more of more or horrifying <laughs> not matching shots but some people like them so i don't know i don't know yeah. what the common opinion is now i feel like last week it was like oh these are pretty cool i think that people are going to turn on them because i actually think hot take joe i think we're seeing these things all season i think these are going to be up to the maybe not in the finale but up to the penultimate episode i think it's like one a person and then once you run out of people like right. like the second we get a second one from someone i guess i'll i'll leave my words but because like the the precedent for these is Australian Survivor, right? And I know they had issues with like them coming in like 
episode 12, which like for them, that's halfway through their season. But still, that's that's pretty late in the game to be like, well, here's Heather. Finally, you missed out on her so long. <laughs> right. But here's her story. Yeah, I guess one thing for our show, should we be like crossing people off when their thing plays like Voce's was in episode one? Yeah, sort of. I don't know. I'm trying to mentally go through them now, but. Like JD had one, Ricard had one, Jeannie, Jeannie, who wasn't even here this week. <laughs> not like other than JD, honestly, not characters that seem like they're super long term. Um, well, uh, I don't know. Depends. Like Tiffany, Nasir, Nasir's had two. No, he's only had one. He didn't have one in episode one. I've, I know. I feel like he had one where he talked about uh, being a naked little boy. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe it's just what a picture. I think it was just a picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this week it was just a picture as well. So he, I don't know. Maybe he half counts <laughs> but yeah, but yeah like, i don't know i think a big person we'll talk about is liana liana doesn't have one yet um i can't remember if danny had one <laughs> um but yeah right for sure for sure so I think that's good here for the themes and stories. Like, I think, honestly, this is a story about authenticity uh, and knowing how you come off to other people Mm -hmm. and risk and how Mm -hmm. those intertwine. I'm not sure, Joe, but maybe the answer is uh, the winner is going to put themselves out there in a meaningful way. Maybe they're going to attract some spotlight and benefit from it. Mm -hmm. Um, That, to me, reads like maybe maybe how those intersect. Yeah, it'd be a lovely sort of meeting of the two. I mean, I wish Survivor could always be that sort of perfectly tied knot, but it often Mm. is not so. (laughs) The only other sort of, I don't know if it's a theme or motif or what, there's something going on here with, as we mentioned, those demonic 3Ds, discipline, dedication, determination. I think there's a real grit theme here. Uh, Nasir says, Deshaun, he's gonna practice fire every day for, and, and, you know, for the fire making challenge or whatever. Uh, and then Nasir talks about how they're so good outdoors because they grew up, uh, and this was their life, right? Like they would make fire and they were just like a happy little naked baby or whatever he said. Um, you're seeing that a lot, I think, of, like, you just gotta work really hard. Um, and I think that might be part of this as well. I think what exactly this looks like, I'm not sure, but there's a real positive grit aspect. Yeah, I think you think about it, or for me, it's sort of framed in, like, Tiffany's balance being performance. On other seasons, that's just a performance that, like, absolutely crushes Yase. Like, Jeff is yelling at, (laughs) should be yelling at Tiffany in other seasons like telling her she's like doing a bad job but here it's he's very neutral about it he that that's our slow motion for the episode is like on tiffany like working to get across that beam and it's very positive because in the end she did it she got across the balance beam so yeah i think he did say she's been a disaster in the challenges but overall (laughs) i think i agree like and that's one thing I w- I should have brought up earlier. Like, again, welcome to slow-mo corner where they're slow-motioning on a person not moving. Like, person inching across a balance beam. They're already moving <laughs> slow, Survivor. Like, do we really need to see that slower? Like, oh my goodness. That was, that was the most obnoxious of the week. And I think I'm going to try to pay attention every week to grab the most obnoxious slow-mo of the week that was definitely the most obnoxious slow-mo of the year and anything <laughs> ever like she was literally not moving yeah 
It was just exasperation, which I don't know. Do you say that's like dramatic and like you? If you don't, I have right a thing. conspiracy theory uh, <laughs> for Yasa when we get there uh, okay. about Tiffany and her challenge performance. So <laughs> I'm excited to talk about that. Let's can that as we talk here about the Luvu tribe. Who the, the Luvu tribe? <laughs> Uh, definitely i mean there's not a ton to talk about but at the same time it's very interesting to consider what do you do with this tribe who got little to nothing so and how does that frame what we saw them in episode one and now in episode two where it's very clear they weren't an important tribe like with the premiere it's always like oh all these tribes have to get established here it's like this tribe had no stakes so and what a what a great person to start with Oh, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Danny. I I was shocked because he's Danny is not the type of archetype you see that gets an invisible. Right. And yet here we are. And especially in comparison to the episode one where it was like textbook edgic premiere edit what do you even do (laughs) this is so bizarre (laughs) i i honestly to me this is irresponsible like (laughs) you basically set this person up as a main character right like you told Mm -hmm. us hey this guy's cool he matters if if you were a casual and you only kind of paid attention i would forgive you if you forgot he existed Mm -hmm. like he was not in this episode like even more than like like he had i guess some prominence in the challenge but like not really he was yeah like he was nowhere i don't even think we saw him on screen there's like a quick flash to him at the the one camp scene that luvu got but i mean that's nothing you could just flash around but i mean you think erica actually got a line in that scene heather got to sit out of the challenge so mm-hmm. just bizarre i mean for me it's hard because it's Luvu, what's happening to them long term. But I, it, it definitely tanked his winner chances for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like No, I had him, what, number four last week? And now he's pretty dang close to eliminated. I don't know if he's quite eliminated, but pretty darn close. I think there's a weirdness with this episode where this felt like the second half of a two-hour episode. Mm-hmm. Like, But it's not. And it's just an episode and who they chose to completely ignore, I think is pretty damning, especially when it's Danny, who was their biggest character last week. Right. Yeah. I have him second to last now. (laughs) Oh, like I just don't see it because especially when you think about what we said last week, where Danny's at it is maybe example number one of the circumstantial nature of the season. Mm -hmm. Like he had to be shown in so many ways in episode one. And then when they don't have to do that, they just leave him out of the picture entirely. I think that's Yeah, they're really like, we hit our Danny quota, it's over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we gave him a big episode, we never have to see him again. Which is really disappointing, because I definitely liked him as a character in that first one. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to continue to say, I like these two tribes that got ignored more than Yellow. <laughs> and Danny was, uh, what, I ranked him number three on my favorites last week. I, I don't even think I can put him on there, because they clearly don't care about him Mm -hmm. once again if i'm ranking like favorites he's second to last just because how do you rank someone who wasn't there like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you gave me nothing and i wasn't even like to be even mildly irritated by 
So And, like, especially when Deshaun gets a huge episode. Like, okay, the weird part of this tribe is we go from last week, Nasir rats on Danny and Deshaun. Oh, just kidding, Nasir's in danger, to never mind, Nasir's not in danger, and no indication of who would be. Yes. I think the weird like, thing what? is, I don't know, no clue what the hierarchy of this tribe is. Like, At all. From top to bottom. Like, I that... mean, we know Sydney's on top. Yeah, Sydney's probably okay. <laughs> but like, yeah, no That's clue it. where everyone else stands. I mean, this year as we're told by Sydney that Nasir is okay. So that seems to mean something, but <laughs> yeah, no, for real. And I mean, an episode where Deshaun was the only other character really, mm -hmm. and he didn't even mention Danny. That's pretty dang dan damning for Danny. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also, that was kind of a tongue twister, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Poor dude. Um, yeah. I really like him. I hope he pops back. I hope this isn't just he got content in the first one because of all the dumb twists that they have. Mm, for sure. Yeah, I would sell any Danny stock if you were in any <laughs> uh, any stock market sort of situation. Oh boy, what a fall. Um, what a fall. That brings us, I guess, to Deshaun, who opposite, right? Like, I would, like, again, it's weird though because his content was so based on moments that had to happen. Like, he had to get a scene talking to Evie. Mm -hmm. That said... I think it's always a good thing if you are connected to clearly the main character. Like, I don't really think that if Evie wins, it will be an obnoxious over your head win. So you have to start looking at people that Evie's connected to. And this Deshaun Evie, like, duo could be meaningful for his chances. I've listed Deshaun on my contenders list. I think I have him number five. Hmm. This is not something I'm, like, super confident in. But this is a character that they chose to tell us his story, um, who he's connected to, and Evie, and what he wants out of the game, why, and his episode one wasn't really that bad, that I think when you're looking at contenders, you have to think about, well, who did they show choose to show twice in a row? Mm -hmm. And he is one of them. Even though his content in episode one wasn't amazing, it was there, and he still had an idea of who he was. He just got kind of short-shifted, I guess. So to me, he raised quite a bit. He basically basically took Danny's spot, um, and maybe that's a little, um, frantic to flip them that much, but I just, this episode read quite good to me. I think, so, where I'm coming from, I had Deshaun last, coming off the premiere. But I think you're right in that there's one way to read this episode as though it's very circumstantial. Deshaun's just here. It's a great place to give his sort of personal package right there and then. But also, if his meaningful relationship in the game is Evie, and that doesn't, that can't start until episode two, then this edit makes more sense. And then, of course, you don't mm -hmm. want to say he's tight with Danny because that's not the important thing here. It's that he's built this relationship with Evie and exactly. they're going to go further in the game. So, I mean, he had risen already a bit for me just on the fact that, yes, he got content both, both this episode and the last. But I think there's a reading to that where I could see if other stories just really stop making sense, which we're not far from that. There's not too many left to choose from but i could see him maybe rising back up into my contenders list somewhere in the future but not for now right because that's the thing right is like not many of these characters got shown twice in a row um and i think the best comparison would be and sorry that apparently i'm just referencing the iconic season survivor 35 today but ryan and chrissy right that's 
kind of a complex duo of the season and they're on different tribes to start with and it's because mm. of this weird idol thing that they give uh that p- cross tribes that happens that that, that forms right like that's interesting on, on this front i think that's the most interesting case example or maybe like the exile alliance or something in token genes right like there's not many of like there's not usually that many times that two tribes can kind of interact in a meaningful way to form a bond so if that ends up being like the complex duo of the season how else would you show it mm-hmm. like you can have a confessional where deshaun's like i really want to work with evie who's on the other tribe but that would never make air like <laughs> it would be so it would stick out so much so i don't know to me that bodes well for deshaun mostly because he's attached to evie and I feel like person attached to Evie is a pretty dang good winner chance at this point. Yes, I think I agree with that. So And yeah, it's it, almost nothing to do with him or anything else, really. It's like, if anything, Evie spoke more positively of Deshaun than they have of their other alliance members mm-hmm. and that could that like again that that speaks well for Deshaun. yeah i think a big hurdle for me is that Deshaun did not get really distinct personal content in the premiere where i think mm-hmm. you could have been okay this first episode here's Deshaun, he's this person and then this episode is all about forming that first relationship so green yeah i don't know he's he's a weird one he was one of the bigger characters. I actually thought he was like I I liked his content. I just he's less fun than I thought he would be, like honestly. Um I thought he would be a lot more like fun and zingy and confessionals and like so far we've got I carried water and then I love my family and I just don't have a clear idea of like who this person actually is other than they had stress on them from their family. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, I I that's inspiring and I actually liked that specific content. We just don't actually really know who he is. And by who he is, I mean, what's his personality like? Is he a jokester? Is he a very serious guy? I feel like right now you would lean he's very serious guy. And I feel like preseason he came off like jokester. And I don't know how to internalize that uh, dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Do we do we care at all about his fire making comments? Oh. Or are we past, <laughs> past firemaker so, speculation? Honestly, Joe, I feel like... As weird as our fire speculation watch has been in the past, I think our radar has been pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like, it seems like people who talk about fire end up in the fire making challenge. Yeah. Like, Kara did end up being a fire maker loser. Like, I know that happened at the end. It's so weird because it's one of these things where we'll know it on finale night. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, and that's it. But, I mean, a million dollars... If I had to gun uh, gun to my head, who's who's in fire making? Give me Deshaun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's there. It's definitely worth I think noting, right? That. Like Devin had that. Um, even Wendell had that at one point. Um, Angela had that at one point. You hear, uh, like Janet talks about it, and she's not there, but it's a big reason why she needs to be gone before she gets there. Right? Yeah. So. Like. That's the flip side, right? Is uh, mm-hmm. Janet, who we were like, oh, she's obviously the Firemaker loser for like the entire season. But then it's like, oh no, she's the person who loses because they don't want to let her be the Firemaker winner. Mm-hmm. 
So I guess keep your eye here is Deshaun the story of how he can't make fire to how he does. That sounds a lot more like the winner of fire making to me than the fire maker loser. Um, and that is really good for his chances. I think it could also just be, oh, look, Deshaun's not the greatest at fire. Keep this right, in yeah. mind for later. So exactly. Yeah. So it's hard to know for sure. Um, obviously, we've seen Nasir be very good at fire, but we'll get to him. Uh, Erica, I think the dream's dead, Joe. I, it seems, I kind of revisited some discussion elsewhere. It seems there was like a resurgence like after we recorded last week and also after things sort of settled on who the main contenders were, that Erica could be this sort of Natalie White type character or something. Um, I, I didn't really delve into that at all. But yeah, my read right now is drawing pretty dead. Like, yeah, clearly not one of the characters to focus on on this tribe. That makes me sad. Like, I think I came in here with so much faith mm -hmm. on her ability to win as well as as a character. And I, maybe she's just not that because I actually don't think her content has been like amazing <laughs> either. Like the small amount she's gotten, like it hasn't been like, oh, I need more of this. Mm -hmm. I so I'm sad. I she clearly does not matter at least <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like at least she got content in both episodes, but it wasn't really anything in either. You know, it's mm -hmm. like would you rather be on TV for one line or like say anything that is meaningful or unique to you? And I don't know. Like yeah, I guess I know I have a higher higher threshold for meaningful content than just one line too. Like you're yeah. not Danny. But right. you're not much more. So, Joe, thought experiment, quick. What, you're you're a player. You've played the season. You had a great time. You did pretty well. You didn't win. You get home. You know you're not going to be a main character. Uh, would you rather be Danny or Erica? Like, a ton of content in one episode, gone in the next, or kind of in both episodes? Mm, I'd all, like, the dream is to always be a little under-the-radar fun character, I think. So, <laughs> is that See, a good I'd answer? I'd much rather be Danny then you can like just show your friends the ones you're in right like mm. make sure you don't have a premiere party or whatever on the nights where you're invisible and other than that yeah i think that's the thing but i um, guess you also you don't know because everyone thinks they're playing a cool yeah. worthwhile game and then you get to the premiere party and it's like oh i wasn't yeah, that's here. gotta be tough that's gotta be tough <laughs> yeah but yeah i don't know erica i i <laughs> She's got purple in her hair, Joe. Mm, not a great sign. Yeah. Like, maybe that's it. Maybe it's a, like, you have purple hair. The survivor gods reflect poorly on you and uh, summon queen shining star herself. Shining star, uh, Kelly Shin. This isn't, it doesn't show up well on TV. <laughs> yeah. So you gotta hide yeah. it. But that doesn't excuse her next player. <laughs> Literally, a oh, poor Heather. Like, I don't know. It's just... Like, would you rather be Heather or Erica? Like, one confessional or you're not on the show like mm -hmm. heather could live her entire life probably if just these two episodes aired and no one would think she played survivor yeah even if she brought up the episode she'd have to like freeze frame to show she played survivor it's just like what were her what will her eventual part be in this season yeah like even aside from the luvu-ness of i don't know what luvu is doing like i just how do, what 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 does heather do <laughs> literally who is it like who is this Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild and I feel like they're going to make it further than a lot of beloved characters.
Mm-hmm. I think yeah. lock Heather in for like seventh. Yeah. I'll do a reverse thought experiment. If one of Erica or Heather is winning this season, who is it? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, I think, I honestly think it might be more likely that they're doing something freaking weird with Heather than Erica. Yes. I think that's my read too. Is that like, I'll put Heather higher because I can trust maybe there's just no reason, especially if I guessed what Luvu's like social structure was heather's probably not too close to the top so it's better to just not broadcast her at all during this time if she's just safe throughout it so right like you could see a world where sydney finishes that confessional with instead we'll vote out heather Mm -hmm. but that didn't happen so that's not that bad for her right and like if you think about it like adine kowalski by this point was completely invisible that's true and (laughs) they clearly loved like I think that one thing from Island of the Idols that we absolutely got right was from when Dean entered, we were like, oh, he's an important character. And they thought it was really funny to introduce him at this moment. Like, Mm -hmm. they thought it was worthwhile to hold off on Dean, who ended up being one of the biggest characters of the season, Mm -hmm. till episode three, because there was a good moment for it. Maybe that's Heather, right? Like, maybe Heather just comes in as, like, an absolute rock star. I mean, we I can doubt it. Heather, preseason yeah. fave for me. I- I'm here for it. But the sooner yeah. the better. <laughs> for real. Yeah, Heather's one, like, you're gonna have to watch next week. Um, <laughs> hope she blows up. Like, hope it's just, like, the best episode of all time. Uh, yeah. I guess that brings us to Nasir. And, Joe, I honestly thought you were, like, lost your marbles last week. Like, um, I was not a believer. I was not a Nasir of the Nasir edit. Um, but, Joe, maybe I should have been. Um, what, if anybody's winning on this tribe, it's Nasir. Yeah, I think, I probably said this last episode, but I'll say it again. I think if Nasir wins, I will feel amazing about having him as my fifth contender in the premiere, and now my third contender. But if he doesn't win, I'm gonna look really dumb. But, I don't know, I think, I think I at least have the satisfaction of, a lot of people saw the premiere and were like, nope, no way. And then now you kind of see it where people are like, oh, there's something being done here. The only story they checked in on was that one (laughs) yeah like that means something Mm -hmm. um the fact that he's on the least complex tribe of all time does not (laughs) bode well for him um and obviously as the resident complex tribe uh lover bodes poorly for him uh that said the only story they chose to highlight was this year like mm-hmm. the like that's it like and he got more backstory and personal content he was in the next time on he looked good in this episode and they didn't even work like this reminds me of michelle fitzgerald actually and co wrong where early on it's like oh the you know maybe michelle's in a little bit of danger just kidding the girl the beauty girls are massaging people's backs and the beauty girls are just fine um they check in later with that idea right like or even um ben right it's like oh ben could be in some danger oh they win he's not in danger like they always check in on the winner like like kind of randomly to be like hey look actually dr mike likes ben so he's fine even if you hear after the fact maybe ben wasn't fine in the episode, there is that scene with Ben and Dr. Mike forming, uh, and Lauren Rimmer forming an, an alliance. And then you get, uh, like, I feel like that's even Tommy, right? Like, they're checking in, like, hey, just so you know, by the way, Tommy's in danger, but not in that much danger. Like, they still want to let you know he wasn't getting voted out if they go. So that doesn't look.
look bad at the end. Definitely. Um, I think, and that bodes well for Nasir. Yeah, I think a lot, you can see a lot in how this was framed. Because I think it's very easy to go the route of Brad here and say, maybe someone was like, oh, Nasir was really rude when he just sort of took away the fire from Deshaun and made it. Or like, he was really wacky when he went to that breadfruit tree. But instead, it's this very like genuine, like, I'm doing this because I know I can make fire. I have this really uplifting backstory and I found food for the tribe and Sydney's saying I'm I'm safe. It's all it's all very nicely put together at this moment. But I guess there's I'm kind of getting a feeling now that I'm like Nasir is the Tiffany of episode two, where it looks all very sweet and saccharine, oh, yeah. but it's going to turn very sour. Yeah, I could see that as well. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's probably an important character. Mm-hmm. Uh like long term i think he could be a shock boot i guess i just like one thing i come back to is like early on we talk about sydney being a good confessionalist i don't think she's probably ever given a worse confessional in terms of the energy behind it than when she was talking about nasir it was like yeah he i don't know if we could stay without him so maybe we'll keep him like it felt very like dry and that Mm. made primetime television right like that means something um, to me, that felt like she was probably talking about something completely else. Like, like there's a more important topic that was on her mind and she just kind of had to explain this here for a moment. Mm-hmm. And that made TV like mm-hmm. that means something. Um, cause she's a good confessionalist. It's not like, and it was her who said it. I think there's a lot there because she was the one who read it on him. I don't know. To me, I have him in my top five. Um, more or less it's. Like, I don't know, if somebody on this tribe's winning, it's probably him. Um, And he got, like, the connection to fire making. Like, we talked about it maybe being Deshaun. Maybe it's Nasir. Maybe. I think it'd be more likely he's the Janet. Yeah, I kind of. <laughs> but either way, that speaks, like, if, if we can call who is in the top five, that's so, like, the person in top five has a lot better shot winning than who leaves next week. So, like, give me the people that I think have a long-term story. My guess is that's Nasir because they bothered to tell us what he thinks. Mm-hmm. And I think if you, you get to that point where you're like, oh, maybe this is the season's Janet, you then have something to sort of be like, oh, Janet had these gaps where it was like that it doesn't care about her but then that it really likes her but then they don't so if we see that with Nasir it's like oh I get it now so yeah something to keep in mind and I think at least these first two episodes are very telling in that we want to if anyone on this tribe we want to care about it's Nasir so yes and to jump into the complex tribe theory of it all um to me and I think the the reason complex tribe theory complex duo theory these things work is the real idea is that when you're looking when you're trying to tell the story afterwards you always kind of subconsciously think oh where was the winner right like like people like winners people like explaining how like what their perspective was Mm -hmm. so it's very possible you're on the boring tribe and you're a winner the how that ends up manifesting itself is the win or the editors explain the tribe dynamics that was beauty right like beauty was clearly the complex tribe in terms of the dynamics were clear they always told us who was going and when and when it changed and why it's not like they were getting the most content like that's not necessarily what that means it's you knew what their dynamics were for the most part and 
it was beneficial to the winner, either through an underdog story or through, um, you know, them being a good player. To me, the two stories really, other than the necessary stuff that they had to show for Luvu, like, take away all of Danny's stuff that was necessary. It was Nasir riding on them, Sydney riding on Nasir. That was the only stuff from Luvu last week that mattered. And then this week, it's the only stuff that happened. Both times, it's about Nasir's position in the tribe. That could bode very well for him and aligns with the reason complex tribe theory works. This is clearly not the complex tribe, but it, it, it we know the dynamic. We know it was going to be Nasir and now it's not. Mm-hmm. The example I was sort of considering, especially just with this episode and where you have a tribe that's apparently not going to tribal council ever is sarah from game changers where she was in the same position and sort of what that looked like and it was you like you got her thoughts you got where she was and then you like left it alone and i think those tribes were a little more complex around it but you just got in into that person's perspective and i mean that's obviously the important thing it's why it's why we're not really considering erica or heather Like, it's one thing to not matter, but it's another thing to, like, not matter, but we still care. Yes. And, yeah, I don't know. I also, like, really like Nasir. I think Mm. he just seems great. Um... And realistically, if you're a viewer of Survivor, I feel like you leave this episode being like, you know, you're not huge into the show, but you kind of, you know, you watch every week, but you don't think about it too much. I feel like you leave being like, I like Nasir, I like Evie, I like Shan, that's it. Mm -hmm. I think he's also one of the people so far whose actions aren't edit-wise questionable. Yes. Like... Looking at my other contenders, it's all about how I frame those moments. Whereas I guess Nasir hasn't had the chance to be like, this person's going home and then that person doesn't go home. Right. But he's not been contradicted, which is a big thing about the premiere too, is he was right. Danny and Deshaun were looking for idols. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's- And a lot of people have been contradicted. I think that's a huge thing. And also, like, this isn't meant to be shade to Nasir, but it might come off that way. What does the story look like if Nasir, whose favorite player is Philip Shepard, wins? Like, who clearly doesn't have the deep love of survivor strategy you know what i mean like that a lot of these recent winners have like what if somebody who just kind of likes the outdoors wins wouldn't they just highlight how hard it is and how meaningful the uh gathering and that sort of thing is Mm -hmm. like what else would you say like no one's gonna buy that this year is the greatest strategist in the world because he you know he doesn't seem to actually know much about the game right like he says no strategy uh at the start and it's not edited negatively. Garrett did that in Kageon and was edited very negatively and was voted out. Mm-hmm. I think I think this year's a trap I could be falling into, yes. but I also I also want to pursue it. And I feel like it's not as as predictable as some other other traps I could be falling into right now. Or hopes Read. or biases. Yeah, he's a long shot. It's just like there's a world where he looked completely different, and that's mm-hmm. worth considering. Like, yeah. they clearly have a strong feeling about him and why we, we need to care about where he's situated. Yes. I guess that brings us to Sydney, who honestly, Joe, I think you could say everything we said about Nasir about Sydney, uh, for the most part. Like, it's- doesn't look that bad. Like, if somebody were to be, like, a stid standney. Um, and like really be dying on the horse, dying on the sword of like Sydney is definitely the winner, like the best edit ever. Like, I think I could get there. Like, again, 
the only other character who mattered in both episodes on this tribe. Yeah, I think the interesting about Sydney is that she is clearly someone we're supposed to care about in some way. Like yeah. her premiere edit was like, I'm Sydney, I'm here, I'm I'm wild, I'm ready for this adventure. And then she gets to frame what this tribe may or may not be doing should they ever go to tribal council. Yes. So I mean, like we said, she's the one we know is probably not in trouble on this tribe. So very interesting. She is my my fifth contender, but not enough to put her on the chart. But I only have four yeah. contenders because it's just mm, she she is she does feel like a trap. I would fall into and be like, yes, my yeah slightly underedited fun pick is going to win, but I I'm not a believer yet. I totally get where you're coming from. It's like if you told me this was the winner, I wouldn't be like what i'd be like yeah i kind of see it i missed it but i get it you know like she's there and i think preseason i was really high on her as a character i think she's sort of flopping a little bit like i think mm -hmm. she's less good at confessionals than i think i thought I think she reads a little bit more phony. Um, Cause like, yeah, like we actually know a lot about her. Like if you really were to just kind of sit there and write out what you actually know about Sydney, like she's on top of her tribe. She has a good bond with Danny and Deshaun, but she wants to keep uh, Nasir because he's good around the tribe and that increases morale. Uh, she's a wild spirit with a retainer who travels and <laughs> she got the scene of her running and attacking the crab. Like, there's a lot there. It's just no offense to Sydney. She's not that memorable. And we've seen that before. Like, I think a Michelle is kind of similar to that. And how they chose to edit Michelle was these long, drawn-out confessionals about her position. Um, and then nothing else because, and, and people thought she was invisible because she just wasn't memorable, but really she was there the whole time. Like that was the dichotomy of Michelle or, or like the, the debate of Michelle was casuals were like, she's barely on the show. And then edgic people were like, like me, I was like, no, she's everywhere on the show. She's just really boring. Um, that could be Sydney. I guess is my take. Possibly. It feels like, I mean, the problem is Lubu got one scene this episode, so she's not quite everywhere. She just happened to be there in their one yes. scene. So I think it's, it's not quite Michelle at this point. No, it's not. It's, and I don't want that to get, like, I'm not like, oh, Sydney's got Michelle's at it. Like, I think someone like Tommy basically had Michelle's at it, word for word, almost. Um, where it's just, they're everywhere, they just are kind of bland, so you don't really notice it. And the editors realize that, so they know they have to put her everywhere. I mean, or put Tommy everywhere. Very much a better Michelle contender on this very season right now, I think. So Yes, I agree. I agree <laughs> for sure. Um, and yeah, I think that's the thing. Is it like, I don't know, Cindy seems like maybe she's going to be a really important character. Maybe she will turn into the Sydney that I kind of expected. Um, and that's what we're kind of in a holding pattern for is like, she just has nothing that interesting to say here, but they don't want us to forget about her. Definitely. Um, we know she's a free spirit. She seems kind of risky. She's changed her mind. Maybe she's an important, um, like maybe she's a swing vote at a key point or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's Sydney. Um, and that's this tribe. Not much. <laughs> like, realistically, it's extremely unlikely, I think, that the winner. 
would be on this tribe. Yes. But we did we do see some plot threading. We do see some building and that's a good thing even if this is a doomed tribe like it's a good thing that there's some plot here mm -hmm. on here for sure there's still there's still characters to definitely care about as they may impact the end game right because i think if you go back to samoa which seems to be my season of choice this episode like galoo was under edited but they also towards the end didn't actually matter that much yes. like brett was the one that mattered and he wasn't getting content anyway so yeah no and that's the thing right like um yeah like my guess is this tribe gets like either they don't work together at all like that's one thing that can happen mm -hmm. uh, is like the healers it's not like all those characters were irrelevant in the season it's they didn't work together um right and th like that could be it like um and it's not like the winner came from the healers but it's probably your closest comparison um where they're just kind of the, the third tribe uh and you're like oh is it this tribe or this tribe definitely not that one though um but i don't know i i i actually like joe this might be my favorite tribe. no green's my favorite tribe but they're second <laughs> I think overall, I like this tribe the most. I want to see more from them. And I think that's what's important. Yeah, no, that's that's the worst thing. That's the worst thing. And I really hope that they do get a lot next week. I hope green and blue get a lot next week and yellow is invisible. Well, well yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Okay, that brings us here to the Ua tribe. I love this tribe. And... I think a lot of my, like, contempt for this episode comes back to the fact that they just, like, weren't here. Um, I love everybody on this tribe. Like, I think this is, this is a contender, I think, maybe, for one of the greatest Survivor newbie tribes ever. And they got one scene, Joe! I like, I like members of them, but I'm not so crazy about them. <laughs> That brings us to, I guess, the greatest Survivor casting of all time, Brad. Yes. What a good choice. We've got on such a ride. I think preseason, I was like, nope. Premiere, it was like, nope. And then this episode, I was like, yes, I'm here for it. I've, I guess, succumbed to Brad. I, I, yeah. I want him here rather than not, especially if we're going to get episodes of Yasa for <laughs> I want to see the Brad scenes, I guess. Right? Like, honestly, Brad's completely changed my view of casting. Like... For a long time, I like cast more super fans, and then I'm like, Evie just walled content at us for two weeks straight. And I like Brad, who has no idea what is happening or how to play or anything, way more. Like, give me all the Brad, because he has no idea what's happening, he's completely clueless. And a for like, is he a production plant? Like, he has, he has a strange backstory for it, but, but yeah, just exciting exciting stuff that feels like you won't see this on other seasons like i can see the politics of the asa tribe on several seasons that have already happened but brad hiding in a bush and like not staring at them so that they don't feel his gaze very good that's the that was the the best line of the episode was <laughs> yeah i'm a hunter so using my and like the classic survivor like as a bartender i've learned how to play navigate relationships it's like as a hunter i've learned that if you close your eyes they won't know you're looking at them like <laughs> come on dude that's not how life works and everybody knows you did it like that's Oh, funny. Uh, just where where do we think Brad is headed? <laughs> is I don't know. Like, about. I feel like we've seen this, like, like an Alan Ball or a Patrick Bolton or something. Like, 
I think we enter and we're like, oh, they got so much focus, they must be going far. But those two people also left quite early. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably Brad's fate. Like, I I don't know if I can picture him in a merge. But, like, maybe this one tribe is so bad, he just kind of never goes to tribal. <laughs> no, I, I think you're more right. I think I could see either Ua or a post-swap tribe just being like, let's get rid of Brad. He's Terrible. kind of chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Brad's up there, I think, is uh, one of your worst survivor players of all time. You know what I mean? Like, he really is it's just quite bad. Um, but I love him nonetheless. Cast more people who have no idea what's happening. Like, like the, he really truly feels like he watched Tony's Wildest Moments compilation and that's it. Like, his daughter, whoever got him to sign up, was like, here, watch the latest winners highlight reel. <laughs> and it was Tony. And he's like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Like, cast more people like this, but also make sure they want to win. Yes. <laughs> like, because I think your danger in getting people who don't know the game as well is that they also just don't care about winning as much. And then you get, like, your ghost island, which is, like, populated with all these people who don't actually care about winning the game. Right. Yeah, but- you really need to cast a bunch of super fans and then just, like, two people who have no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. But want to win. Like, but you, really like, want to win. Yeah. Because I get the vibe Brad wants to win. And that's mm-hmm. what makes him captivating. Versus, like, I think you often see this archetype just be like, I'm here for the ride. <laughs> like, that's it. Ooh, that, mm, put a pin in that for very shortly down the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have much else to say on Brad. Like, I, I thought his, uh, he, he created a scene that was able to be so captivating that just one scene made me like this tribe the most. Like, even though it was so one note and very basic, it still kind of informed the dynamics, right? Like, yeah. who's on top, who's not, uh, And it all stems from this one action. And that's a credit both to Brad being hilarious and cartoonish and the editors actually crafting a good story and what, like four minutes of content. They told us everything we really needed to know. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting to see it juxtaposed against Luvu's one scene, which is very simplistic. Tells us a little, but you still have three characters we don't know anything about really from that one scene. So yes. Yeah, I definitely agree. Cool. I guess that's good for Brad. Like, Mm-hmm. I guess, Joe, gun to your head, pre-merge or post-merge? Because I don't think I, Brad is not winning this season. I th- <laughs> I don't. Mm, Brad's been in both episodes. That's and a, his, <laughs> unfortunately a bar you have to jump over. His edit is like consistent to himself. <laughs> and I think we get a really touching story from like why Brad is here. So like, I think if it's a really wacky season, maybe. But it'd be yeah. have, It'd have to be bizarre. It's he's not gonna be. Yeah, like it's, it's kind of sad that Brad does not last on my winner contender <laughs> list. You know what I mean? Like, there's a number of people probably below him, mm-hmm. and that's hilarious. Like, that's peak comedy that this man who is so bad could actually win just because yeah he's on the show twice and you know who he is and how he thinks about the game Uh, okay so i think if you reframe the question your question as pre-merge post-merge or winner i would still say pre-merge first yes (laughs) and then winner and then (laughs) post-merge yes (laughs) you don't see him as a jury member no (laughs) 
I think if you reframe that as finalist, I think I might buy it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like, I, I really could see Brad as a losing finalist. Like, mm-hmm. the, he feels like kind of like a classic survivor finalist. Like, not your... I feel like recently we've been getting, like, the captivating losing finalist. And this feels like a return to, like, Butch. Or, sorry, not Butch. Uh, Clay or oh. something. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, um, just, like, a total Yahoo who has no idea what they're doing and is bad and you want to see <laughs> lose like it kind of feels like that but sometimes those people just like natalie cole left like what fourth yeah so that's the thing is like if if he's similar to anyone it's natalie cole which is not good for his long-term chances so <laughs> a high chance on the pre-merge i agree and if not i yeah, he's probably in the end somehow. I don't know how this guy makes it to the end. Like, he feels like too much of a liability. Mm-hmm. But so did Philip. So <laughs> you never know. Um, this is your favorite player. That brings us to Genie. Genie. And yeah, Jeannie? this is the person I'm like, they are just here for the experience of the survivor. Yeah. Don't yeah, this think- is the person who it's like their content is I'm glad I'm here. I got cast mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, I don't know. I'm honestly not someone who's like, ah, play the game, but like play the game. <laughs> like clearly in a okay spot on this tribe. I don't think at risk of being in trouble anytime soon, but don't settle in that genie. Do something genie. <laughs> I just don't yeah. think that's going to happen though. Yeah, no, like genie's just like literally irrelevant. Like, mm. I don't know. Like you. I, I, we know who she is from episode one, kind of, mm-hmm. but only personal. Yeah. Like, she has a vote that's not explained. Like, Jeannie's probably last for me, um, or really dang close to last. Like, just absolutely nothing about their thought on the game. Mm-hmm. If this wins, it's like, it'd have to be like a Natalie White. And even then, I feel like Natalie White is probably slightly more gifted strategically in terms of, like, how the show showed it. Like, Natalie White was pretty darn close to Invisible in the early goings of Samoa. But even then, you knew that Russell cared about them a lot. Yeah, I think that's... If, say, Jeannie was headed on the same trajectory, like, Natalie's first two episodes are probably stronger than Jeannie's at this point. So. And that's weird because she's had, like, confessionals, so... <laughs> yeah, Natalie didn't, what, get her first confessional until episode five, I think? Four. But you did know... Four, yeah. You did know where she was, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, half of Russell's content was about her, um, and, and that matters. Like, you kind of have to factor in not only what they're saying, but if they, like, hate you, they're gonna make someone else talk for you. Jeannie's not, like, not even mentioned, referenced at all. Yeah, this, like, whole scene, like, the episode starts with her, like, we see her, but then these four characters do things independently of her. It was like, okay, Jeannie's on this tribe, but some other stuff happens, so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just bizarre. I always have, like, like, there's not much to extrapolate here, like, Jeannie's the leading contender for me to like we saw her backstory we saw Voce's backstory maybe Jeannie leaves next like maybe half these people who we got their clip thing they're just gonna leave early like I think that's kind of what we're seeing like um yeah I don't know that's what was it where it was winners at war right where 
uh, on 39, they brought out all those people at the reunion, and it was the entire pre-merge. And then this one gives me that vibe. Like, maybe the people who we saw their clips, they're just the pre-merge, you know? Like... Oh, okay. Uh, possibly. I think... So, if we're going along that lines, I think this is maybe a wild prediction. I think if there's a swap, and Brad and Jeannie end up on the same tribe i think if brad goes first genie will follow shortly after yeah like they just feel like kind of like typical like merge like they're not in our plans so they need to go boots so yeah genie's edit reminds me of cc's edit from millennia first gen x where it's just like they voted off everybody else they clearly are not like they're safe but not in the know and then they just leave on the swap unceremoniously yeah like natalia almost yeah but even natalia had like some content right like we kind of called natalia as a swap boot if i remember correctly because Mm -hmm. they were in that three and then never really (laughs) there's no one-on-one relationship i guess that's kind of genie it's just we haven't really got the three like we haven't really they haven't really mentioned the alliance of like that we know exists of Brad, uh, JD, Genie. I don't know. Um, yeah. I guess that's Genie. Rip Genie Machini. Um, I hope you're on the show more. But yeah, like, I think you're right. Like, do something? Question mark? Yeah. Uh, I guess that brings us to somebody who still was here. Um, I think that matters. We hear that Brad isn't liking JD so much, Joe. Um, I don't know. Do you think this is the first famed utterance of the word for this season? Was this a proper cooldown episode for JD? Are you talking about a well-timed cooldown? Well-timed. Well, (laughs) by which you mean acting off one of the most contradictory chaotic premieres ever yeah i don't i don't i have no idea where to place jd joe um he clearly matters they clearly care about him a lot like he's got a nugget of story um he actually is relevant to a lot of our stories um but he (laughs) looks like a clown even in this episode he's getting kind of undermined that said you still leave knowing who he is and understanding like even with his flaws it's not like you leave this thinking he's worse than brad i don't know i guess A lot of what we talked about for JD last episode was that he needs to come off this first episode sort of realizing what happened and moving forward from that. And instead, from this episode, you would almost never know what happened to JD on the premiere. Like, you could just think he's another normal player in this game. And so... I don't know, I've seen some people be like, oh, this is a good cooldown for JD. It's what he needed. I think this was too cold. Like, we went too far down. Not the right content. I I have JD very low. I think important character in the long run, but not going to win. I agree. I think this is your growth edit. Like, at this point, I'm convinced. Because, yeah, like, this is so ridiculous. But there's people, like, your average viewer might not even think Evie's your biggest character in this episode. Like, to us... They come off that way because they get the most, like, literal most content. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, JD was the biggest ep- biggest character of last week, right? Like, by For far. Sure. Yeah. And why? Because people remember these, like, moments, right? Like, people remember, like, oh, he's the one who's being really weird and obnoxious. And you saw a lot of content about him. Same with Ricard. Like, I feel like despite talking less, Ricard made more of an impact last, obviously, with all the, the fan outrage. But... 
uh, in general too, like even without that makes more of an impact because they have more like defined moments than just like kind of talking at you. Um, and JD basically just is a, a creature of circumstance here. We do kind of, to his credit, get a reaffirmation of Shan and JD being close. Mm. Yeah. I, I still think this tribe is kind of just so weirdly messy and how I handled that first tribal. Yes. That I'm still piecing that together. And I don't know. That's the weird thing. I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's Brad now, but I don't know exactly how that all came to be. Yeah. Like, was it actually this moment? I don't know. Um, Was he always on the outs? Who knows? Um, But yeah, JD to me, it still reads like his story is growing into being like a chill bro guy and still isn't there and he's been put on ice a little bit but i don't think that hurts him as a character at all i think if you're if you're balancing narrative this is a cooldown it's just winners don't really get cooldowns and i feel like that's been like the defining theme of our podcast right is like tearing down this winners getting cooldowns narrative which doesn't <laughs> seem to happen every winner seems to be kind of there the whole time at the very least mm-hmm. or like it's not i think it's more that not the there was the peak and the beginning like because i remember like tommy had like lower parts but he his highs were never really that high yes and i think so the the weird part here is really the overexposure i think i mean it does happen but i think they stay more true to that throughout the season rather than big episode way smaller episode yeah and like the only example really of that is wendell recently who like there's one episode um i think it's episode five where he's almost not there um but even then he still ends up being a pretty major complex character for most of the season like the Mm -hmm. Survivor winners have been like DP across the board the entire season. And that bodes not well for JD. And I think evaluating Ghost Island more and more as time passes, it really seems like there is some sort of effort to really showcase that it was a tie between Wendell and Dominic in the end. And so there is this balance of showcasing both of them as opposed to just focusing on Wendell. Yeah. Yeah. Like really like the only modern winner that by this point didn't have a CP edgic rating is Mike. And he was still all over the episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, like, <laughs> it, and I don't know, like, I feel like his first episode was pretty darn CP. It's just he was bossy around camp. Like, that was Mike's kind of thing. And I I don't think, like, maybe JD could spiral that kind of into a Mike story. It's just, you need that now. Yeah. Wasn't the, yeah, just, I think the biggest thing, it it was not the content I was expecting in the second episode. Yes. At all. Yeah, he needed to reckon with his actions, and he didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not good. It's another situation where Brad did actually catch him, right? Like, it's sort of an undermine. And I think that's, that's important. Yeah. I actually, like, I missed JD this week. Not gonna lie. Mm. I don't know. I, I think JD is not the kind of character I'm I'm in love with. But yeah, I think the thing is that the person who got sort of the recollection on the previous tribal was Brad, which is yep. such a bizarre person to frame that with. And not JD is very strange because JD can at least look at that and be like, oh, that last tribal was weird and I need to do something. But instead, right. Brad got that exact stuff, which is weird. And like we know with how this show works that they did the confessionals after. 
right? Like after this moment happened. So you could see mm. another cut of this episode be not from Brad's perspective, but from JD's being like, oh my God. And Brad was right there and I didn't even know it. Like that would be, I think how they would edit the winner is like, oh my God, I was talking, talking crap about Brad and he was hiding in the bushes. Goops, like goobers on me, but I'm going to be better in the future. Yeah. He knows he was there, right? Like, JD now knows that Brad was there. Yeah, it's very, I think it's very curious who the, who the, like, viewpoint of this whole event is from. Because I think it's honestly Shan, who is not is. involved at all in these three. But we'll Absolutely. get to that later. <laughs> uh, that brings us, I guess, to Ricard. Ricard. I think this was a pretty good episode for Ricard. I was not a buyer of Ricard last week. I feel like a lot of people were really high on him or were like, he's the worst person ever. And I feel like I was like, he's fine. And is that it's good enough, but nothing special. I think I've moved slightly better to maybe it's good. Um, But I'm not like, great on him the he gets content again he gets to be shown as reasonable he talks about wanting brad gone but last week he talked about wanting jd gone so is ricard's thing he's just gonna kind of not be happy with whoever's the weird one this week i think that might be kind of it that's not good for him uh yeah i don't know ricard's an interesting interesting boat in this or like piece in this puzzle and that he really like is he close to shan or not like he got blindsided by her last week theoretically but this week he seems to be the one she's confiding in yeah i think my biggest thing with her card is that you can sort of explain jd's premiere as a very concerted attempt by the editors to show this very complex almost contradictory character ricard's was that but it wasn't as intentional he was sort of contradictory to himself and like wanted sarah to stay but then it didn't happen and i mean he even voted against that and i think that's why i'm still very cool on ricard is <laughs> i think he is this character who just sort of as far as the edit goes has demands and is like i want this to happen but we never see any real agency sort of going towards that yeah. it's just sort of his viewpoint is there but not not the complexity of it. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to read it, is Ricard's story is he says what he feels, mm -hmm. and that's it, right? Like, even the, um, like, he wants JD gone. Why? Because JD's annoying. And then we see way more sophistication with someone like Shan. Yeah. That's the issue. And even, like, like even the come on in guys thing, right? It's like, Ricard's someone who's going to say what they think. That's what you want from him. And that's what the show's telling us matters about him. That is his defining defining trait, both good and bad. And that to me reads that it, he'll probably just continue to be that. He'll be, he'll be roasting people probably in the future. Mm-hmm. Could very much see him as a losing finalist to like Shan. Like yeah. very much the second command who didn't have like the the strategic power that Shan did throughout the game. Yeah. Sort of if you have like your your winner, of course, and then you're like person who played okay but not getting the credit and then a full on goat. That's where Ricard sort of fits in. So Yeah, Ricard reads like captivating losing finalist or mm -hmm. he's being billed as kind of strong for somebody who like hasn't really done anything um so i don't know like i wouldn't he's far from eliminated he's somebody who's still in contention it's just like i feel like it'd be a weird winner at it yeah very strange it needs to sort of pick up with more of the the narrative thrust of ua behind ricard yes like we don't even get him being like me and shan are tight now or something 
We just kind of see them talking and can infer that. But I feel like you would see Shannon and I are like, you know, two peas in a pod or something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Any other thoughts on Ricard? Not really. Yeah. I, I think it's just like being vocal is his uh, his story. And poor dude got like, they didn't even say come on in to see if it was natural. Like that sucks. Mm -hmm. They left him out to dry there. Yep. So we're in your corner, Ricard. I am anyway. Um, that brings us, I guess, to Shan, who honestly had a good episode. I, I'm sad that this was a good episode for Shan because I, I want her on TV more. I'm stunned that they gave, in my opinion, one of the greatest Survivor castings they've ever gotten. Like, kind of a nothing episode, but it was good on paper. Yeah, I think... Should Shan win, this is the sort of thing we'll go back to in future seasons and be like, look at how this episode or this scene at Ua was framed. Because it's looking top down, it's like, Brad does this thing to spy on JD and Ricard. He tells Shan, who then tells Ricard, and then, like, they're targeting Brad. But the whole thing is, like, Shan is like, oh, Brad's dashing down the beach. And then he comes back and tells Shan, and then Shan gets to then tell them. And we get to see all her thought process. It's very, it's looking for scenes that are not told by the quote unquote right person for <laughs> what's actually happening. Right. Yeah. Shan's almost irrelevant to the situation. And there's no other way to view this, I think, than this is Shan's perspective of the events, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's it's Brad telling Shan, hey, I don't trust JD. I'm going to go check on them. Uh, everything you mentioned there. And, and then she gives the most complex confessional of the tribe. Mm -hmm. um, it bodes really well for her. She still is magnetic on TV, still super good. Still her biggest detractor is that she's just that naturally good. Like, and I can see a world where she always gets content like this. That said, Joe, I think Shan's my number one winner contender at this point. I think this was good enough for me to lock her into number one. The issue is this lopsided edit. Like, we never see the lopsided edit in favor of the tribe where the winner's not from. Like, I don't think we've ever seen that. And it's quite bad that Shan's not on yellow. And that still remains to be by far my biggest issue with Shan. It's just, honestly, Joe, the other people on yellow, I, I don't know if it's that I don't like them or I don't care about them or what. I just, like, I feel like the the winner's on yellow, but it doesn't feel like any of the people on yellow, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Because with all of our content devoted to yellow, it just feels like there's something to focus on there. And maybe it's just that Evie's a big character going forward. I think this tricky thing is looking at this episode compared to other lopsided editing examples and thinking about how much of it just had to be shown. Mm -hmm. So like, because if you take out the immunity challenge, the tribal council, the summit twist, like you're left with really sparse time. And it makes yep. sense to even give like most of that, obviously, to the tribe that goes to immunity or to tribal council. So I think this is fine, um, especially when you think about how this scene was in comparison to Luvu's scene. There's a definite marked like editing difference between yes. them and who it involves and what it means for the tribe. So I think I think it, it's very lopsided editing that we're seeing. I don't think it's as drastic as what we've seen in the past, where the winner always comes from that tribe. So yeah, I, I think I, that's totally fair. And in essence, Shan is also my number one winner pick. Well, I think. It's it's kind of the option that makes across the board the most sense. Um, it's a it's another character that really hasn't contradicted herself and 
I think I'm really valuing that. I, I kind of think I fall into that trap a lot or once someone contradicts themselves, I really fall off of them. And so I want to be wary of that. But for now, that in addition to just a really good edit for what she's done so far in the game, I think is is worth considering a ton. Right. And unfortunately, Survivor still under edits women winners. Like somehow mm-hmm. in Survivor freaking 41, that's still a factor. And Shan, who was an explosive personality, like jumps off the screen. Even when you give her like a small amount, it's like you give her an inch, she takes a mile kind of thing in terms of just like delivery. I feel like you leave this episode actually quite high on her despite her being under the radar or pretty close to it, right? Like, um, she got pretty complex content for the very little she got. Like, mm-hmm. this was, like, UTR2 verging on, like, CP2, I feel like. Um, right. I think... And that's good. Initially, as I was taking notes, I feel like I sort of expected once I saw, like, the first few scenes, I was like, oh, we're kind of just getting bare bones with these two tribes, and then Yasa is going to take up a bunch of time. So then my challenge was looking at each of those two scenes and being like are these just under the radar to the big big extent or was there complexity enough and i i guess i hazarded and said all across the board their scenes were so small that it was all under the radar but you're right i think shan is probably the closest example to like someone who had a very complicated take on what was actually going down like it looked like good doing it right like it was a clear perspective we got exactly what she wanted and maybe their take is like if you have someone this good and they end up winning, you can kind of just sideline them because they're still going to like you can give Shan one confessional and the audience is going to like and care about her more than people who get five. And mm-hmm. maybe that's how you handle this. Because um, it's honestly, it's weird to me that Shan isn't TP5 here. Like, I feel like the natural inclination, if you get a character like this, if you get casting this good, is to just dump them at you. You know what I mean? Like, just throw them everywhere at you. Um, But it kind of reminds me of like a Parvati in um, Micronesia where she was there a lot but in episode two she was under the radar too um she got a big premiere in terms of personality but the actual content number wasn't actually at the like dominating tv episode but i think when you think back on micronesia you think about poverty content and why because Mm -hmm. like shan poverty reads weight like is one of those characters that reaches out through the tv and like shakes you to pay attention to her and shan has that too so i think we've seen a character like parvati actually get kind of under edited early on in micronesia and you don't even really realize it because she's infectious and shan has that too in my opinion they should have edited shan as cp5 here this she could have had four more confessionals about this topic alone it would have been good but she got her like what one or two yeah but one. you still leave knowing who she is what she thinks what she wants to happen and that she's a badass survivor player yeah i mean i think the important thing to remember is that from a more casual perspective they're not looking at it episode by episode they want these moments to remember but they're not gonna think like oh shan did really good except she was almost nowhere in this one episode like as long as the broad strokes are across there i think that you remember her yeah and it and it still makes sense because like thinking back to janet like janet's peaks and valleys were more like uh accentuated emphasized where like she would be this tremendous character but then have a dip with nothing contributing to the story and then the next episode where she added content it wouldn't link back to where she started 
And I think Shins did. Yeah. Right now we're seeing a through line, which is good. Yeah. I think that's like the most important thing you can look for. And that's why she's number one. I think they could have made this even shinier, but maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they are trying to like hold her back a little bit. Um, and you know, Maybe she's going to end up with the most confessionals by the end of the season. Um, mm-hmm. I Yeah, I don't think this was a purposeful, like, hiding of Shanna as opposed to just the structure of the episode required that Agreed. there wasn't the space for the five Shan confessionals. So. And that's sort of what happened with Wendell. Like, Ghost Island was a TV suck, and that's why he was invisible in some of these episodes, mm-hmm. or under the radar in some of these episodes, right? Like... The one where he's really gone is the one where Stephanie gets voted out. And the whole episode is about whether Stephanie uh, can muster up sympathy, basically, right? To stay. Mm -hmm. That's the conceit of that episode. That's the narrative direction for that episode. And it makes sense that the other tribe doesn't really have anything. Because she gets pulled off to Ghost Island. She gets this awesome send-off. That's the one where Wendell's gone. This one kind of makes sense, too. Like, there's so much stuff that happens that it kind of makes sense. Again, this is why they shouldn't do this. Because sometimes you end up with your best character having nothing to do. But (laughs) what do I know? Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's the Ula tribe. Uh, My favorite, for sure. I really do enjoy all these people, even Genie. I feel like we would benefit from more Genie. Um, And I think it's a robbery that... The, the people with the best scene only had one scene. Like, mm-hmm. they showed up, won their best picture Oscar, and then walked off and got no other awards. They got no other screen time. Yeah, I think, I'm not talking, like, complex type theory, but I think if you were to, like, on the beach, which type is the most complicated, like, all Definitely the time, this one. it's this one. Like, the other ones are very, I mean, we don't know about Luvu, but I imagine they're kind of cut and dry. And then Yasa's is cut and dry, so um, they're they're the most complicated. I find myself not really gravitating towards that because we're not seeing it in the edit. And I I don't know, maybe I don't have the mind to fill in the gaps as much. But yeah, yeah, they could. What we know is that Shan is dominating, right? Mm -hmm. Like that Shan has Brad, Shan has JD, Shan has Ricard, but not Jeannie? Maybe Jeannie? Jeannie's her blind spot. She's gonna yeah. take her out. Yeah, Jeannie's gonna be the stone to uh, slingshot into Shan's Goliath, if this was David versus Goliath. A David did win that season. A David did win that <laughs> season, yeah. Oh, And that brings us, I guess, to our... I think that, at this point, that's a theme. I think that obnoxious... David did win this scene or th- that season theme. <laughs> uh, Joe, I really like, I feel like I've, I've hinted at it before here. This tribe's doing nothing for me. They just are like normal people. Like they're just normal people. And there's like, it's like they're reading like a tax form. Like they're, they're just not hooking me. And they were the entire episode. And uh. yeah, I think the thing with Yasa is that it's five now, four people I like. I should like as characters, but they're almost like bad actors of their roles in this tribe. <laughs> so they're yep. not exciting to watch do what they do. Like Tiffany feels like someone I should like like for what they're doing here, but it's just not coming across like in a way I'm enjoying. So yeah, I yeah, I have a hot take here on Tiffany that we'll get to. I guess when we get there, it's just like like what if Sandra was boring? Um <laughs> is is my take, and I'll get there 
when we get there, I guess. Um, but look forward to that. So let's jump to Abby, who, like, I feel like we've talked about a lot this episode, but was the only character, really. Like, it, it's obnoxious. I don't even know how many confessionals they ended up getting, but it felt like the entire episode. Um, Looking at my count, and I don't count double confessionals, and I'm not a perfect confessional <laughs> counter. Please do not hold me accountable. But I have five compared to yeah. the next highest, which is Tiffany at three. Yeah. And then it's a smattering of twos, ones, and zeros. So very much like the force of this episode was Evie. Yeah. And just like they didn't have anything to do. It was a unanimous vote. Mm-hmm. Like it at no point did it seem like Tiffany was in danger. In my opinion, on its face was a detrimental and terrible move. Um, if somebody has an idol and they don't see it coming and you want them out, you need to do that first because the next time when you vote out Voce and they know that like Xander knows now his three-person alliance of Xander, Voce, and Evie doesn't mean anything. And you know he has an idol means he's way more likely to play it the second time. So the fact that Evie let this happen means... Joe, I think I'm buzzing my, uh, we're being lied to buzzer. I don't think Evie's in control of this tribe. I don't think Evie has any sway. I think that Tiffany is running this tribe and we're being presented that Tiffany's like batshit crazy. And I think Tiffany's the best player on this tribe and knows it. And Evie's along for the ride and we're being shown like Evie's mastermind who listened to Tiffany into a bad move that they knew was a bad move, that they said was a bad move, but they did it. And last week, we kind of saw them get contradicted as well. I, I, I don't even, like, they're not even a good player. I don't get it. I think to add more to what you're saying about this move in particular, it's weird for Evie to have gone to the summit with Deshaun and for them to be like, here's how an idol works. And then not vote out Xander yes. because then Xander is going to has is that much closer to getting his idol, which then jeopardizes what's going to happen if Yasa goes back to tribal. Which maybe maybe this is four dimensional chess on Evie's part, and they're thinking that's how we get Tiffany out. If Tiffany mm-hmm. is sort of this leader who firmly has Liana, um, but I don't know. I don't see that. It's it is very strange how they. Just they could have gone two one one and yes! got still got Xander out. Um with like there's room there for a shot in the dark or an idol, like anything. And <laughs> no, he doesn't have an idol. And yeah, I I will also push the their lying buzzer, but it's much like the Ua first tribal where it's like, I don't know what the truth is yet, and I don't know why you lied to me. Yeah, it's it's so weird. I don't get it. I don't really understand why they want us to think Evie is, like, the greatest player of all time. When we saw Liana and Evie on the beach say, that's a terrible idea to Tiffany. But they listened, and they did it, even though Tiffany's vote didn't matter because Xander didn't have a vote. They could have just done it without her. It's so weird. Um, Honestly, Joe, I would not, like, I've had this, like, debate within myself all week, like, like, is Evie the next vote? Like, is Evie going to get idled out by Xander? Is that what's happening? And they just love Evie that much. And this is our Ali Elliot. That's that's a lot of what I've been seeing is people are seeing Evie as the shock, the shock pre-merge boot. 
And mm, it's just the framing of the season so far, where Evie is the only character on this episode, <laughs> the only complex person. That is such a move where I think Yasa is obviously going to tribal next time. Yeah. I, I feel like that's obvious. And I think I would expect, oh, it's just Xander going and they're they're just sticking to that. Hopefully they do something more exciting with the other tribes. Um, but yeah, that would be really shocking to me and a really big, a big choice. I get, I know as an editor, you might have Evie as this really elevated character for what they are as the first sort of non-binary identifying player in Survivor and to have them charismatic and at least you can edit it in a way where they appear competent, whether or not they are controlling the tribe or not. I think, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, to jump in there, I guess I'm being a little harsh. I think that Evie probably has a lot of sway and skill is just not making the right call right like someone like a russell hance or a christian or um a parvati or a sarah like where you get these kind of similar like wall-to-wall kind of things even a sari right like part of it is that inherently you trust what they're saying is true sierra uh sari says i'm a wolf in cheap clothing like um What's the, I'm a gangster who looks like a priest or whatever. Like, like she says that and she's dominating the episode. But the reason she's dominating the episode is that she just did something really cool and innovative. Russell, same way, like love or hate him. The reason he's compelling is that he's really good at what he does. So when he's talking to you, yeah, he's a good confessionalist, but you actually see his actions match mm-hmm. up with what he's doing. Evie talked a big game here and then cowered to what Tiffany wanted. Why is that five confessionals? Mm-hmm. I think I think that's sort of a problem we're seeing sometimes in more recent seasons of Survivor where the edit makes this big character and then what they've spent the episode telling us about what the character wants to do or their plans isn't the exact truth and it's enough off that it throws us off and we question it and then it doesn't feel as successful an episode as it could have been yes. because of these things so yeah i like i actually think to evie's credit because i feel like i've been very negative even though i do i think overall actually like them quite a bit it's just they're not your main character like they just can't be they don't have that like i don't know they just they they aren't and maybe it's just the editors maybe they're just not giving them the personal content or the the fun stuff it's all serious it's all very very serious and all very clinical as you've said but that said absolutely the right call optimal play to be like yeah deshaun have my vote or you know take it Mm. like that's good play that's um I think that's very competent. That's very smart. Um, ideally, you're actually the one that the other person is doing that to. That's like, to me, you see this twist, how it's handled this episode. Optimal play is there's no shenanigans and either you, the optimal play would be you, they give you their vote and there's no disruption and you agree to work together. Second optimal play would be you agree to give them their vote or your vote and uh, there's no disruption or chaos, right? Like either way, that's the optimal play. So Props to Evie for noticing that. I guess slight downside that uh, mm-hmm. they didn't get the vote back. But um, I yeah, I we didn't sort of expand any on the the summit twist coming back. I think it's rough that it is going to be done apparently yes. like this, where it's like same one person thing. from well the same thing for one. Like that's uh, that's just going to add to the number of votes that are in the system or the lack of votes, all that. But I think it's also 
weird to be like choose one player from the losing tribe and choose another player from a not losing tribe like or it can be your own like what yeah i mean but still it's always going to be this power disparity where like the person going to tribal council who has now been removed from the camp and cannot discuss probably really needs their vote so they're never going to be in a position to be like give me an extra vote unless they already have a existing relationship with them which they don't (laughs) so right like the dude not going to tribal is probably not that concerned about his vote Mm -hmm. once again like fun idea i guess but you did not think this through in terms of like how the game would be played yeah like i think the it'd be interesting the winning tribe can just choose two people across the board like they don't have to come from the losing tribe they don't have to come from your tribe like any two people like no question does i i think the fundamental issue is that if they steal and you protect they get a vote and you lose nothing i think the way to fix this would be that you lose your vote if they do that Mm -hmm. i mean yeah that's the that's the prisoner's dilemma of it all and it didn't matter in episode one where it was this like interesting like three person game excuse me sure but it didn't matter for episode one and this time there are there's more stakes and it's not a three person split but it matters more and it doesn't fit with what is happening in the game now so yeah yeah absolutely and there's just no downside to like there's no downside to communicating who's gonna steal like optimal play someone steals with this like you lose nothing there's no point to not coordinate that that's the issue i think and that it's a bad twist that's a a tv sync but like on a mechanics level that person who protects when you steal should lose something like trying to think how this best goes for the person going to tribal it's like the winning tribe picks xander and then they know he's in trouble so they're like we'll give you this extra vote and then you'll work with us whenever we meet up again but i mean xander can't vote at all so he could stack up a million (laughs) votes and they won't mean a thing um, yep. Yeah, just ridiculousness. I guess we haven't really talked about is Evie a winner contender or not? Um, um, Joe, honestly, like, I think I really don't think so. Like, I think if you were really to grill me on this, I think I would buy, I think I'd buy pre-merge over winner. Um, but I have them number four just because I feel like if the person who's the only character in the episode isn't on my winner contenders list and they win, I would feel stupid. <laughs> I think is really why they're there. To be fully transparent with my thought process. I think for the most part, I agree. I think I think we're still looking at merge for Evie. I think they'll make it that far. I, I'm skeptical on this pre-merge boot idea. Um, and then, yeah, I think they're just there. And it's much like Danny's first strong episode. It feels silly to not have this person who is there in both episodes very strongly not be on my winner contenders list. It's sort of struggling to find winner contenders already like yeah i i think what i'm reading from it is i think that i'm gonna treat evie like christian and i don't know i i for a long time wanted to eliminate christian and i kind of i i definitely did at one point i was in that goliath like i've become a goliath i basically started eliminating him but um to me i think that someone connected to evie is winning this season Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. Uh, obviously, we've seen some people be able to interact with Evie so far, and some people not. But Evie is either going to be the the obstacle to topple, or the the alliance member who teaches them how to play, or something. And that's actually that's where I actually think they're going. I don't think Evie is going to win Survivor Forty One. 
So, like, actual winner contender list, I'd probably put her not on my list. And I would instead include people who are connected to them. Like a Liana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about the same... Uh, I'll still hold on to them at fourth. I feel... Yeah. I gotta say Have them fourth, yeah. So... And, like, it makes sense. Like, you could see it. It would be an obnoxious edit. Like, it would be so, like... I kind of just don't want to envision it. Because I feel like it looks exactly like this, but the entire way. But, you know who kind of got this as well? Was Ryan Ulrich from 35. Mm -hmm. They were basically CP5... Like, six episodes in a row or something. Like, they broke... If I remember correctly, they broke the record for most CPs in a row um, in that season. And that's what Evie reminds me of. Hmm. Yeah, it's, and hard then, to, it's hard to imagine a villainous turn. Yeah, Ryan only kind of turned villainous, though. I yeah. feel like it's just... I feel like people just started hating him. Yeah, he more turned inept. <laughs> yeah, like, I could see that being Evie, to be honest. Like, the signs are kind of there. Like, honestly, more than Ryan's were at this point. That's fair, yeah. Like, if you were to, like, look at episode two of Ryan and then the episode two of Evie and be like, which one of these turns out to be a clown when you view it? I feel like you bet on Evie because Evie's been um kind of proven wrong a few times. Like, Evie's shown as powerful as a player, but maybe with bad decision-making skills. The episode tells us this is a bad move. That's not good for her. Yeah, that's really the big thing I'm struggling with. Yasa people is everyone was like, this is a bad move for them. Like, why mm-hmm. Why did they do it? And so... Which gives me, like, Brains Tribe in <laughs> uh, Kagiyan vibes, right? Like, because mm-hmm. that's the thing, is, like, there's Matt Singh, which looked great and heroic for losing, or uh, in Palau, but then the Brains Tribe, it's like, the central mistake is keeping Jatia. That is the story of that tribe, right? Like, it's, look at this, Jatia absolute disaster in this uh rogues gallery of yahoos who get voted out instead of jatia but the 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 central story is like they should have voted out jatia yeah is that tiffany is that like you know what i mean like i think that's possible mm-hmm. it feels like a similar story and yeah it's just like are you matt singh or are you the brains tribe <laughs> um and it's hard to know because brains tribe also kind of dominated content so, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess that brings us here to Liana. Um, I have her really high. Um, I have her number three. Hmm. Was in this episode, was it the best look, I don't think. Yeah, I think but... talking about Evie and just the way that Yas- Yasa Tribe looks as a whole has, like, lowered me on Liana. I sort of had, I had her at three as well, but at the last minute I switched two and three around because I, I felt that was too strong. But now I'm thinking, I thinking I might go back because Liana it's still an interesting edit where she is connected to Evie, which is a strong place to be. But at the same time, unlike Deshaun, she's also doing all the same bad things that Evie is doing with their game. So yeah, it's a tricky edit at this point. Yeah, it's not easy, right? Like, Liana, basically the things you can take is that she knew it was a bad move. That could be something or it could mean Liana is being idled out next week. Like, the issue is it's like, there's a plot thread here. It's just, I could see that ending in, and Liana was right, but that wasn't enough. She still left the game in week three. Mm, I think Liana has longevity. I just, because I think she is closer to Tiffany than Evie is, and we've been shown yes. that. And I think she also had an interesting scene where she was approached as a swing vote when Xander could not vote just to shore up things. 
Mm-hmm. It's just weird that all this happened and she still made what the episode is showing us is the wrong decision. Is Liana your Michelle that you were mentioning? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Like, because, yeah, oh my God, Liana talked a lot in this episode. Mm-hmm. And again, no offense, Liana does not read on TV well. Like, it just does it, not memorable. Mm-hmm. And I think there's two ways where it's like is that winner edit or is that partially just because there's only five people on yasa like every vote that exists is a vote worth considering and so you can't really get away with just showing four of them even if liana is a confirmed number so there is that someone uh commenting on our reddit post for the premiere last week did mention that in evie and liana's scene evie or liana talks about how much she can trust evie already right before evie then talks about how she's lying about her what she's doing or what they're doing in school um so it was like "Mm, that that's very true and an interesting juxtaposition so yeah kind of kind of wary on liana but (laughs) yeah that's something i was going to bring I, i can't believe i didn't bring it up last week because it's it was huge, right? Like, Evie has this big moment where it's, hey, I'm hiding my occupation. And then Liana's confessional is like, I love Evie. They tell me everything. And that mm-hmm. looks bad. Um, But it also kind of puts them at odds, right? Like, could it be Evie leaves next week? And then Liana has a mea culpa of like, oh my goodness, I put all my eggs in this basket. Really, I should have been branching out. Time to branch out. Like, I could see that as well. Um, I don't think it made Evie look like a fool. I think it made Evie look like... Or, sorry. I think it made Liana look like Evie's a better player right now than her. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was like... Like, I think sometimes you see this stuff and it's like, oh, it looks horrible. I don't think that was like... You you leave that being like, what an idiot, Liana. You didn't know that she's not actually a medical researcher. She's a PhD what an idiot like you leave that being like oh evie got kind of one over on her maybe she's she's pretty good um not i I don't think it reflects that badly on liana i guess is what i'm saying yeah it's the sort of thing i think that we as we go episode by episode and literally pick at each person we're going to notice and be like wow what a what a crucial flaw that is but i think you got to think long term and there's going to be little bits here and there that don't 100% add up. And right. Yeah, I think. And the weird part is similar, honestly, to Natalia on David versus Goliath. Can't believe she's being brought up twice in this podcast. <laughs> um, is Liana and Tiffany have a bond. Evie and Tiffany have a bond. Evie and Liana have a bond. So it is this triangle, but I feel like we're starting to see Liana and Tiffany more. Mm -hmm. Um, But Liana was kind of annoyed by Tiffany, but I think you could see a world where, like, it was weird last week. Evie got 100% credit for saving Tiffany. But my read is that Tiffany probably doesn't actually need saving. Um, But Liana is the one who's who's shown closest to her. So I don't know what to do 100% sure there with liana but it it does bode well for her because again no offense to liana but i could picture a world where liana is invisible like a genie maybe not on this try because they've gone twice and i do think they will probably go again and i think if they go again it changes how i'm viewing this tribe complexity index a little bit 
I think. Yeah, I... I'm very wary to say that Yasa is the complex tribe. They yeah, the they tribe. should be. They should be the complex tribe. But they're really not that complex. Like, mm -hmm. they get a lot of content, but we don't super know where everybody is. Like, who's, like, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else on Liana? Not really. Okay, no. let's jump to Tiffany, because I think Tiffany is the cog that changes so much because in another season tiffany is natalie cole right like uh or a jatia like or a i'm trying to think of another like um patrick bolton like why are you keeping this menace right like but tiffany is honestly joe maybe the strangest person on this season last week she was my number one winner contender and then this episode looked bad but i almost like for a while on my first rewatch i still had her very high mm -hmm. and again i think part of that is when they're the decoy vote what else are you gonna do right like if Tiffany is the decoy boot every episode of this season, which I think is possible. How do you edit that if she ends up winning? I could see it being like this, where she matter-of-fact to the camera says, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not worried. <laughs> like, Voce's going home, just wait. We get this, one of the worst challenge performances, I think, ever. Like, top five anyway. Um, Up there again with Jatia, who couldn't find, like, the, the ball, right? Like, in the, uh, in that basketball challenge. Um, up there. And it's really not that bad. Like, Tiffany gets a confessional where she's like, yeah, I was there for one or five or ten. It doesn't matter. I'm fine. Like, she doesn't care at all. And... She felt like she was, like, mocking the camera. Joe, did Tiffany throw this challenge? Oh, that's... Hmm. I think she did. Hmm. I don't know if I agree with that. I'm sounding the alarm. I think she wanted to lose. She knew she wasn't going anywhere, and she wanted Voce gone for some reason. I think that's what actually happened. Hmm. Uh, those... I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me... I don't know if, like, directly against this, but just in thinking about this theory, is the way Tiffany approaches Evie and Liana about trying to switch the vote. Yes. It doesn't feel, it doesn't, I mean, it could be really good gameplay, but it doesn't feel as intentional as, as that would make it seem. It feels very misunderstood and just trying to ensure absolutely that they are. And I, I mean, part of that is the things you brought up about how Tiffany is reacting to losing the challenge. It is painting this picture of someone who's not really that worried about losing, but the fact that that's not really consistent in the actual scenes kind of throws me off, yeah. I think. I mean, if if that's the way she is, like, you can't show it any other way. She doesn't have, like, these rational conversations about voting out Voce over Xander. Like, you gotta show the inkling was there somehow. But I don't know. I think... I think Tiffany is just actually in an okay spot for who she is. And I think if anyone is sort of guiding this, I do think it is Evie sort of being able to pull together the three women and saying, we'll stick together because that just seems really solid. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to touch on what you said there. I, I think my theory is that Tiffany's a way better player than we're seeing. And I don't know what that means. 
I think they're <laughs> such a, like, I don't think we've ever seen this before of somebody who's so cold in their confessionals and then so clueless on the beach. Like, my take is that I don't believe it. And I think that those confessionals were ending, like, you know, what's on the cutting room floor is something like, yeah, I'm a Survivor super fan. And I'm going to present that I'm not like, I don't know what I'm doing to get what I want or something like I'm going to throw because I know people will believe I'm actually that bad. And it was one minute or five minutes. Who knows? Um, we're going to vote out Voce and I'm just going to pretend to be scared and get the votes on him. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not worried. I'm not going anywhere. I think that's probably what's on the cutting room floor. And they spliced it up into, look, she's bad at the challenge. She's randomly really cold and confessional. Uh, look, she's worried. Like, to me, it was incongruent. The level of confidence she had in confessional versus the erratic, scared behavior she was exhibiting on the beach. And I don't know how to reconcile with that other than we missed the part where she was self-aware and confessional. Maybe that's me reading too much into it, though. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd just go the other way, where I think her confessionals just come off as, as one way, and when she's able to sort of at least be collected in her own thoughts. And I think, like, if you look at the way Tiffany sort of was talking with Liana and Evie, she reads as someone who doesn't give people, like, time to talk. Mm -hmm. And I think in those situations where she needs to tell someone else something who's right there, like, she is that way. And then I could see in a confessional where she's a separate way where the stakes aren't there. She can sort of let her thoughts spool more collectedly, more naturally, and not have that sense yeah. of fear and panic. I agree. So I think, I don't know, I think that's a, a wiser read. I wouldn't be surprised if we get more of this intensity next episode. And I agree. I would be surprised for it to be a continued disparity. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be her, like, I think it might be her story. I, I, I think I'm going to stand by my, what if Sandra doesn't win? I think this is what she looks like. Just like the, any, like, we talk about this a lot, but like the anyone but me strategy looks you know, philosophy, I guess, looks a little silly when you're not actually in danger and then you're making suboptimal moves, right? Like, because you're so scared of getting one vote from a guy who doesn't have a vote, mm -hmm. you panic and, like, that's how this is presented, right? Like, that's anyone but me. This is very similar. You hear the fortune teller Sandra, like, you know, Russell thinks he's gonna beat me in a jury vote that I won't get any jury votes, but I don't know about that. I think that's what they're trying to do with Tiffany. It's just not there. Like, she doesn't have the, like, fire or something. It's just very weird to me. Um, I'm not sure how to slot it. I do think that it's weird that this happened both episodes. Like, both episodes we got Tiffany matter-of-fact to the camera saying what's going to happen. And that she's not worried and that she's the decoy vote and she's not worried. Like, mm -hmm. that's a story. Like, one of the biggest stories of this season, because so many people have been there and then dropped off, is Tiffany in danger, but is aware and doesn't care. Means, we'll see. But the fact that that's been highlighted twice, specifically, into that level of nuance, I think, and that it's a mistake to keep her, is interesting. Also, if you're on the beach, if you're Evie, this is, like, those conversations, to me, are an automatic, you have to vote this person out. Because, Joe, is there anybody on this entire season? who would be a worse ally than Tiffany? In, in what way do you mean? 
I don't disagree quite yet, but like she what? doesn't seem to care at all about anything other than not getting votes. Like that's somebody who will flip on you in a second. Like part of it, finding a good ally is finding someone who likes you enough that they're scared or that, that they're they're not scared to stand with you. Tiffany to me reads like minor inconveniences will make her flip. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I think so far that's what we've been told. Like Tiffany as an Abby Maria is i think a believable Mm -hmm. connection and i think sort of thinking of the characters you brought up sandra if she doesn't win which we've seen now and i mean part of sandra's edits there is that she's such a big character she's gonna get lots of content anyway but also with abby maria is this sort of mixed but highly emotional Mm -hmm. edit and so i think it's there and it's visible and there's a lot of of fire behind it but it doesn't actually pan out to anything it's sort of yeah, like, like my take is that Abby Maria in Philippines is basically the difference between Sandra and Abby Maria in Philippines is like the seven jury votes, and that's it. Like, I really think that they basically are the same character and benefit for the same reasons. Sandra might be like a little bit better than Abby Maria, uh, but it's like the same game perspective of like, I just make sure it's not me and I will lash out at the people that I am mad at. And I think, I think the secret of like when Sandra wins is that there's a, there's moments of deftness to it. Like you see how that strategy really works out for her with Tiffany. We're not seeing the positives. Like, yes. And your theory, you're inferring a lot that she is doing a lot of this on purpose showcase that to some extent i guess if they're if they're winning of course if they're not winning even still that's an interesting character we don't see a lot of is someone who looks like they're doing weird things but it comes from a place of strategy and a place of at least forethought yeah yeah tiffany jumped right off my number one winner threat list and right over to the top of my number one losing finalist list like i think tiffany is getting money from survivor (laughs) I think that's a fair read. I think it's also possible that we don't have any Yasa people left in the end game, and Tiffany oh, yeah. is one of those casualties somewhere along the way. Yeah, they but, could be a Malolo, and there's no representatives anywhere, like long term. Yeah, yeah. So that that's possible for sure. Um. So yeah, rip Tiffany. Uh, <laughs> firm drop off from number one to I don't know ten for me. Um, For me, it was like, I didn't believe it first episode, and now I feel very justified, like, dead last, for sure. Actual last? Yes. Heather? Heather? Who knows what they're doing with Heather? (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm way higher on Tiffany. I could still, honestly, Joe, I'd still give her 3%. Give me 3%. Uh, on Tiffany, because it's still she still has a story. There's like three people on this cast with a like a clear defined story, and she's one of them. That matters. Um, <laughs> not the best story to have, but it's a story. Like being the curse that they <laughs> kept around that they shouldn't have could be a fun winner arc. I don't know if Survivor's ready to get that experimental, but there's a season to do it. It's Survivor 41, no theme. Uh, Let's jump here to Xander. Weird episode. Again, this is a strange tribe that should be complex, but isn't? Like, really? Um, And Xander is connected to that. Like, 
Part of it is that when you're looking at complex tribe theory, right? Only before the tribal matters. And Xander gets almost all that content because he like finds a thing. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Like there actually isn't that much pre-tribal for this tribe, but tribal just happened or sorry, pre-challenge. Um, it just challenge happens so early in this episode. Like mm-hmm. they all got nothing pre-challenge basically yeah if anything greens looks the best pre-challenge and then it just they just get the rest of the episode i don't know what to make of that joe and xander it's he's there and it's another moment where he's relevant and has things to do but that's it yeah it's another problem with the the circumstantial nature is xander sort of has all this content that just stems from like doing things related to the structure of the game like i don't know it's tricky yeah it's just (laughs) it's just so hard because it's there it's technically game related um like i could still see him winning but only because he's oh gosh he is so hard to talk about for me i don't know (laughs) yeah i get i get it though joe like he is captivating and boring simultaneously like Mm -hmm. he is a walking um contradiction i think like historic like there's so much in this season about being young and therefore foolish. He doesn't come off as foolish, but then he shares his secrets and mm-hmm. it, he, he's he's negative for that. Like he he stumbles because of that. He's smart, but because other people know he's smart, that's dangerous. He's wanting to vote all the women basically, but now is an underdog. Like he's complex. Um, if I had to guess, my guess is he's probably just somehow I think he escapes. I think he makes it deep, but I think he might have to burn an idol or something. I don't know. It'll be interesting, like past next episode. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I just need to see Xander without like game stuff. And I think the thing that sort of makes me think not a actual winner contender is there is just this sort of lack, like, like with Deshaun, the first moment he got the sort of necessary content, they also put positive, like personal content with it. With Xander, that hasn't really been there for me. I think he maybe had a little bit during the summit part, but we know he was a cross country runner. Yeah. But like, otherwise we don't really get how all that he's doing in the game, like summit twists and beware twists and all of this, how it affects him, like personally, what it means to him or what, like personally as a person, personally as a person, um, like how his game is being affected by who he is. And we're just, it's just very, very like someone made Xander as a character and did a kind of poor job of writing dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. See, the weird thing for Xander is like, he's the same age or like really close to JD, but JD is the young guy. Mm -hmm. Whereas Xander's like, what, like two months older than him or whatever. Like, but we don't even like, I don't even know if he's really mentioned being young. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, your viewers might not realize he's 21. Um, Yeah. That's weird. Uh, At the same time, no way they're telegraphing he just leaves next week, right? But this tribe's probably losing. I don't know. I could see it where he leaves next week, and it's just this bizarre, like... It's just they... Two weeks... Like, they needed an hour and a half or whatever to set up Xander leaving unanimously. (laughs) I'd be... I would be so disappointed in the show if next week it's basically the same thing and then Xander leaves. Like, that would be 
if we didn't do this show, I'm tuning out level, probably. Like, uh, well, okay, what do you do if Xander does leave next episode? I mean, everything goes up to this. Like, what is sort of the approach? I guess it depends what else happens, but why are you devoting so much time to this tribe that half of them are gone? Uh, Like, if... If Evie, Liana, and Tiffany are the final three, which I don't think is unrealistic as a possibility, by the way, um, <laughs> I, I can see how they edit it this way. If Xander just leaves next week and none of them are in the end game, they ruined the season by devoting so much to this tribe instead of the other two. And that's the fine line they have to walk, right? Like you want like some of this to matter unless it's like, like in Palau even, like Stephanie gets a lot of content, but it's not like, they're the main character. She's close. She's one of the main characters, but there's actually episodes where she dips in and out of relevance, right? Like that tribe in general does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, like, I don't know, like Palau works because it's almost like it restarts sort of at the merge. You get a completely new season, but like, I just think if we enter the merge and only like one of these people matters, they've wasted so much screen time of developing these other relationships. I don't think they've done good enough to justify that okay i think i think part of it is that they could have if xander goes next they could have told the story and used less of our time that's for sure yes i just think (laughs) survivor kind of loves to just like say hey this is still really complicated like you gotta we want you to consider that maybe tiffany is going home instead of voce or maybe it's xander or voce and eat up sometime that way unfortunately i i kind of hope next time they spend a lot more pre-merge time just sort of being like well not all of the time being spent this way but saying if yasa goes it's gotta be xander right and then dabble in the other tribes to let them have their time and then push the immunity challenge really late and yasa loses and it's kind of a done deal and it's all about the shot in the dark which maybe doesn't yeah. work out. That would be the right way to do it, for sure. Still, you didn't need to make this episode. Like, love you, Voce. You didn't need this long of a boot episode when it was, what if Xander has Idol? I guess he works too. Like, that's not that intriguing, I don't think. Um, But I know Xander just, like, I feel like he's our underdog. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Michael Yerger made it really far in Ghost but, Island, right? But like, Stephanie Johnson did not. But Stephanie Johnson did not. <laughs> But, like, Evie's more Stephanie Johnson, I think. Mm, Like, I feel like Stephanie was, like, oh, my goodness, this person was born to play Survivor. Like, everything about them is magnetic and positive and exciting. And I don't think you would describe that as Xander. Mm -hmm. Like, if anything, Xander's more like James Lim or something. Like, I don't know. This tribe does give me a lot of Malolo vibes where it's like there's some good people that you're interested in and they're leaving. But Yeah, I kind of think that's what Xander might be if he goes next not locked in stone i need to like but like i think xander is someone who came across interestingly and then also just had a lot of like necessary times where he needed to be on the screen and so that kind of was what amounts to this big edit for someone who might not be staying so long right that's the so like weird part about this tribe is in a way you expect them to lose again, but all these people kind of feel still like they're going to go far. Yeah, I guess and... that's kind of the thing. Like if they do lose and like someone else goes like that's also kind of a big loss. Like you're still losing a huge character. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you couldn't lose any of these people and not lose a big character. Like even this week with Voce, right? Like, yeah, he was kind of a big character. 
Um, I guess let's jump here to Voce, like, yeah, uh, and we can cross cut with Xander if we want, but yeah, like, a kind of poor dude, like, doesn't even really get much here. Like, mm-hmm. he gets a lot, I guess, in terms of talking, but again, it's not saying much. I feel like poor Voce was a little bit of an underwhelming character. Like, I feel like the, you want this person to go far to be like a chaotic, interesting strategist. It seems like they probably just didn't really click with anyone. Yeah, it's bizarre to think about what we knew pre-season about Voce and then have him already be gone now. It's Yeah, I mean, Joe, I mean, I think we both picked that he would have been the second boot, but I don't think we would have picked that he would have left kind of unceremoniously in second and it wasn't really because of him. Like, I feel like if you told us, yeah, Voce's second, or I guess, sorry, third boot, technically, Mm -hmm. um, he's out in the second episode, we would have been like, Tiger Mom goes wild, like is a t- super dick Bradley. But like, other than the the water carrying scene, he was just like strategist guy. He yeah, wasn't like was, the wild dick we thought he was gonna be. It was just because the numbers didn't make sense. Yeah, which I think it's kind of like always kind of deflating. Because like, if it's a really good character, like, ugh. But also, if it's like someone who has this potential, like, ugh, yeah. that's also bad. Even if I yeah. may not, even if I may not have liked what the potential was, to leave this way is kind of yes underwhelming. Yeah, in a weird way, we liked Voce. I think a lot more than we thought we would have. Mm-hmm. But they were also way more boring than we thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Granted, did have the best best line of the um, premiere. So that's something, <laughs> Voce. Uh, that's still pretty cool. Honestly, I had him pretty high up on my favorites list. So, um, hype, I guess. I I would like to see him play again, unless it was just like we find out after the fact he just could not connect, which my guess is probably what happened is he's probably way more on the outs than we ever saw. Because Xander seemed in on the Voce vote. Yeah, a bit. I don't know, though. (laughs) I think because it seemed like Evie Voce Xander was a possible thing. I think, yeah, yeah, he probably didn't connect with Liana or tiffany very strongly yes but that once again that's just numbers i think the numbers were there if they were right in what he thought was the perspective of the game but that wasn't it so yeah and i think that's an interesting point is like i think voce like the weird thing is xander at tribal is apologizing to voce who didn't vote right like xander didn't vote we know that Mm -hmm. but he's like Voce, I'm sorry. So he's kind of hiding that he didn't vote, but he's he seems to be in on the plan at the very least. Whether he's happy with it, I think we're supposed to infer that he's not, but he didn't seem like shocked or anything at Tribal. Yeah. He's, I think he said like it had to be done or something. Like if anything sounded like Xander was in on it. Um, yeah, I guess that is an interesting implication I didn't think of is that there's something in, for Xander to play up like he just voted Voce and had to vote the whole time. Like, yeah, the episode doesn't really do anything to encourage that thought. And so it, <laughs> I guess I missed it. But yeah, that is interesting. I do want to come back to why it was so stupid to vote out Voce here <laughs> uh, again, because I can't get over it. So there's more things that I didn't even mention. So obviously the fact that Xander might have the idol and Evie, the only way you're going home on this tribe, Xander idols you out. Like if he f- sniffs out that, hey, both the dudes left and I'm next and I have an idol. Why would I idol out Tiffany? I'm going to go for a big dog and Evie, right? Like that is the one universe where Evie goes home or even I'm going to double vote. Mm-hmm. That's enough. Um, or almost enough if they split or something. Um, that, so that's one thing, right? Is like leaving the guy who has the tool that 
is the one thing that could take you out is very bad. But even worse, I think, is that you told other you told your quote-unquote future alliance member Deshaun that Xander was gone. Yeah. So now Deshaun's going back to his tribe saying Xander's dead. He's not going to make it. He's gone. Now that whole tribe sees Xander as an underdog. Xander, if they make swap, if you win. So like the, the case, the bad situations here for Evie are they win. Xander swaps, finds out that Evie was gunning after him, strong enemy with an idol that you've now made, right? Mm -hmm. Alternatively, Xander finds idol, sniffs out he's in danger, idols you out. Also bad situation. Xander, uh, like no matter what, this is somebody who is going to either idle you out or your ally out or know you were coming after them and have leverage to prove that they were on the outs. Like, you know what other tribes want to scoop up? People with extra votes that <laughs> are on the outs. Yeah. Like, this is somebody who's going to flip on you. Yeah, just a... Strange. We're definitely being not told a lot. Yeah, and... like, based on what we've seen, Joe, I think this is one of the worst survivor calls of all time. Like, where it was kind of cut and dry, and they could have ignored Tiffany if Tiffany was that bad. Mm -hmm. Like, Liana calls it idiotic. And I think Liana was right. So why did you vote that way, Liana? <laughs> it just it just doesn't pass the sniff test. Like, clearly Xander was under the impression he was safe at this tribal. He was never going to play that... Even if he had it, he was not playing this idol. You and I mean, he didn't. Him. He didn't try a shot in the dark, which I yeah. think. I don't know. I mean, I guess Voce didn't either. So right, this was your chance at a blindside, right? Like this, mm -hmm. like you only get so many. And keeping the idol dude, who like, come on, if you're a super fan, Evie, you know they're gonna ham fist away that these idols are getting found. <laughs> That's what I would be thinking if I'm out there. I'm like, oh my god, he's got one third. They're not swapping before these three are found. Yeah. That's where my brain would go. I don't know. I think it's bad for so many reasons. The biggest is just the dude has an extra vote that you know about. Actually, this is one thing I wanted to flag, Joe. It was super weird. They were talking about whether he had a vote or not. In episode one, he talks about having definitely an extra vote to the tribe. I feel like mm -hmm. we got lied to somewhere there. What do you mean? So, um, on the beach scene... They're talking about, like, Evie's like, I know he doesn't have a vote, um, uh, you know, based on this thing. Uh, and then they're talking about whether or not he had he has the extra vote or not mm -hmm. from the, the, uh, the summit twist. Yeah. But he told them outright. Mm -hmm. At least that's what we were shown. But I then there seemed to be actual debate whether he had it or not. It was meant whether he could use it. Oh, uh, whether he could use it. I could see yeah, that. Cause like, I was like, did they lie to us that he told them? <laughs> No, he could not use it even if he had it all he has the beware okay. twist. So Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. That does make sense. Um yeah, I just what a weird, weird, weird situation that we have got with this yellow tribe. Mm -hmm. Like they should be the complex tribe, and I just don't know if that's quite right. Right. But yeah, Rip Voce, I think he could have been a meme. <laughs> uh so that brings us to next time. So I'm gonna first introduce Who's getting the most confessionals next week, Joe? Uh, I was not prepared for this question, but now that I've given myself time to stall and think it through, I think it's probably Evie again. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna go with it's just it's. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Shan. Maybe, I think they're gonna maybe JD. Yeah, I think they're gonna go with this tribe. This tribe, like Green's gotta show up again. Um, but I think Evie's gonna be close again. Uh, Ivy's gonna be in the top three, mm -hmm. at the very least, I think. But, yeah, yeah. no, for sure. 
Uh, who's the next boot? I'm gonna say Xander. I'm gonna say Evie. <laughs> and yeah. that, I, I don't know how this happens, but yeah, Heather's gonna beat Evie. <laughs> I think, and this is now my second episode in a row, picking Xander as the boot, so he's here for a long time, because I'll just I keep think doing it. I and... think that's a good pick. It would just annoy me to my core. Like, right. it's just like, come on. Like, why? Like, this should... If Xander's the next boot, this should have been that one hour to boot. Mm, yeah, that would have been useful. Like, just get it oh, over with. Well, if, like, That's so much to pack in this episode, though. <laughs> just have the... I mean, like, literally just, like, do this episode and then take away five minutes from the way too... Like, and this is where it really dragged for me was, like, the debating back and forth between Xander, Voce, or Tiffany. Like... Mm-hmm. No one in the world, I feel like, thought it was Tiffany. And then, based on how it was shown, and then Xander wasn't even really thought. Like, they're just, like, debating back and forth, like, minutia here. I don't think they need to show that. Cut all that nonsense. Talk, like, just show them, hey, Tiffany wants Voce. The girls want, uh, the other two want uh, Xander. Show that. Go to Tribal. Buy Voce. Quick challenge. Oh, looks like it's Xander. Sorry, will he play the idol? Doesn't have it. Bye. Like, Boom, easy one hour to poop. I don't actually want that, but like if that's what how they're showing this episode, they should have just split it into two or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's me being a little facetious, but yeah. uh so let's go to winners here. Uh my top five, it's weird. I feel like I'm with you. I would probably only have four, but if I have to do five, I'm putting Deshaun at number five. I think uh, that's a that's a solid pick. With a big gap. Mm -hmm. Next is the person that I just picked to go home next, (laughs) Evie. Uh, Next is Liana. Second is Nasir, somehow. (laughs) Uh, I really think it's possible. Like, I really think, like, part of my brain is going, like, if this is just, they're, they wanted to highlight this yellow tribe for whatever reason. Look at the other two. Nasir, it makes sense. He's got a story. Um, I think I'm a little bit falling for the bait just in, like, the surprise factor. Like, maybe I should have Liana second, but it just doesn't feel right. Uh, and first is Shan. A little bit of buyer's remorse not having her first last week, but I think it was the right call to be apprehensive. This actually was a good, well-needed call down and i hate to say it i actually think this is what it looks like because it wasn't really a cooldown. it was still she was the most important character on her tribe um mm-hmm. it's just she talked a little bit less which is fine uh she embodies our themes she is awesome she's someone i want to root for there's a natural bias there um and i think the other stories benefit her People like Evie getting um, blocked out is only beneficial for Shan, uh, who hasn't had a chance to bounce off Evie yet. And I think that's going to be key here. Uh, If Evie's not gone next week, which I don't know. I don't know if I really that I'm I'm starting to doubt my Evie next week call, but I don't know. That's that's my list. Uh, Shan number one. I hope Shan is number one. That would make this season awesome. Hmm. I'm a little conflicted because I think this is like the first time maybe we've had the same top four like this early in the season. Um, But it depends on whether I want to switch things or not. Um, So my fifth one, not on my official chart, but someone to think about, I guess, is Sydney. I think still sort of around and a character to keep an eye on. Fourth is Evie uh, for about the same reasons. There's someone we are supposed to focus on. Don't know what it means yet. And then three and two. I think I'm going to put Nasir at three, (laughs) which I, it's close. 
but there's the threads there, but it's not quite enough for me to really want to buy into it this early that much. I mean, yeah. three is still really high, but I guess two is too high. That two is instead for Liana. I think Liana still has an interesting spot where she's the second in command to Evie, and I think that feels very the right place to be when Evie is such a huge character. And then first is far and away Shan. I think they clearly have a good edit for where they are in their tribe and where the season is going. Um, And I think it's really something that we align so closely and are unsure on everything but Shan really I think that sort of sort of seals it like it feels like that is the way the season is going and which hooray for that season I want us to get closer to whatever I know right causes that to happen but right now we're in this Yase doldrums that's interesting but not exciting I guess truly I think gun to my head somehow green is the complex tribe like Mm -hmm. the content isn't quite there yet and I'm not gonna lie like I think it would be irresponsible to not list yellow as the probable complex tribe right now it's just I think green's given it enough of a run for the money with the con like the content dearth between the two like in terms of just raw numbers that i'm willing to consider green in a meaningful way and shan is so good and so highlighted like we know exactly where she is mm-hmm. that i'm not that worried like to me the intention behind these things is more important and that gives me a lot of strength for shan i agree oh my god a world where like shan and jd are the final two or something would be so good and i don't think is super unrealistic so shan stock to the moon let's go um my guess is next week she's also gonna be number one um just yeah i don't know i because i think next week's gonna be a big green episode mm-hmm. I, I'm <laughs> no, trying to, she's I'm, plummeting i'm trying to think what sort of would unseat and i don't even think like a small episode like as long as she's in the mix of whatever green is doing like i'm still gonna keep her up there like the the people i have on the list below her are still so not quite there that i can't ever i can't really see her being unseated but it surprised me survive <laughs> right like like that's uh, i always think about it that way is like what would erica have to get to beat shan in my head <laughs> you know what i mean it would have to be like i'm the winner the check's already been signed um it's a business trip like you know i'd have to be like a complete unearthing of who they've been so far mm-hmm. and not many people i can see passing her like eliana could uh, Nasir could, uh, Evie could, no one else could, really, I don't think, at this point. Um, maybe a, maybe a really good Danny episode, I don't know. But, yeah, let's go, Shan. Um, I still think Canadian's winning. Uh, other than that, that's our show. Uh, thanks for listening. It's been awesome seeing your feedback. We love, mm. love, 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 love. Uh, hearing all the support we've gotten. Uh, you can email us at thewinneredit at gmail.com. New episode Saturday, Sundays. This week was a little chaotic, but it will be up Sunday. It might just be extremely late Sunday. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. We got it. We got it before the next episode. So that's doing pretty good. Yeah, that's what um, matters. But yeah, I, I know I've been excited just following along with like the Edric subreddit this um yep. this season. It seems like there's a lot of involvement and a lot of a lot of different thoughts and opinions and I, I don't like to follow them too closely because I do want to have like individual thoughts when I come here and not yep. just be stealing other people's but I do like to look and see where sort of people head, people's heads are at on other stuff so it's always interesting to read those other things too and get a basis or see what I'm missing or reading too much into. Definitely, definitely. Uh, well that's 